This is Unfilter, episode 214 for November 23rd, 2016. The alt-right National Policy Institute. Over the weekend, they gathered in Washington to celebrate Donald Trump's victory. Here's how they celebrate it. Hail Trump! Hail our people! Hail victory! Welcome to the Thanksgiving Eve edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. Hopefully you have your turkeys or hams. I know some of you do the ham out there, but hopefully you have those ready to go and ready to just, I don't know, eat a lot of food tomorrow. I think we got a little ham in here, Chase. Yeah, a lot of... <laughs> hey Hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. That's not Noah. Hey, buddy. You're back? I'm back. Wait. Yeah, you know, I, I thought you were replaced. I tell you what, no joke. I went down to Berkeley, California. Uh, after the election, I hit the road. It was the perfect timing to go to a conference and sort of decompress a little bit. Lucky you. And I get down to Berkeley and uh, I park my RV, my home. Yeah. Everything I own. Next to all the other derelict RVs that are doing drugs and stuff? No, I, I actually uh, I actually ended up camp, uh, camping in the Berkeley campus parking lot. It was sort of incredible. But here's the thing. This is the thing. Short story. A whole bunch of sorority chicks came into the RV. <laughs> no, actually a bunch of BSD guys. Uh, that's <laughs> nothing no, to brag about. What I'm trying to get to is uh-huh. freaking anti-Trump protests all over Berkeley that night. Oh. Surrounding, it's, it's in a video I have coming up on my oh, personal YouTube channel. Boy. But uh, it was, yeah, so I, I witnessed the protest firsthand in my attempt to get away from the elections. <laughs> so it's good to be back. I feel fired up because this is really our first unfiltered post-election uh, phase for a very long time. I mean, it's been forever since I sat down and put a show together well, last week was post-election phase. I mean, for me. Oh, for you. Yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. You know, because so, the election has driven so much. Cyber, Russia, terrorism, uh, obviously the specific election coverage itself, but leaks and all of that yeah. around it. Yeah. All stuff we're still monitoring and following to see if anything develops. Yep. But uh, I do kind of want to circle back and do a more traditional show. Okay. And I kind of wanted to go back to the origins of our cyber coverage. Cyber has has morphed into the Russians equal bad. Right. But our cyber segment, which we ironically started calling it because let's be honest, it's ridiculous they actually seriously call it cyber. The cyber. It really started post Edward Snowden. Way back in the day when we covered the Edward Snowden leaks. Right. And so I kind of want to bring it back to its origins, back okay. to its roots, Chase. Right. Fair go enough. OG here on our cyber segment. And uh, there's something really interesting going on. But before we get to that, yeah, I want to do a little local cyber coverage. Oh, okay. So we're going to get to some big developments, I think, going on in the U.S. intelligence agencies. But right. first, Chase. Yes, Chris. Did you hear about the scam at Office Depot that Cairo 7 uh, uncovered, our local CBS affiliate? Yes, I have. And, yeah. and uh, actually, I know the reporter who put out the story, and I saw it before actually oh really yeah yes. so you had the you had the uh, i had an up. inside slot i was uh, i was giggling when i saw the story yeah, here for the, i'm great. sure most of the audience this probably is great know, so yeah here we go 
Office Depot is under fire this morning for services that a former employee believes take advantage of unsuspecting customers. What? An undercover investigation by CBS affiliate Cairo appeared to capture the company's technicians. By the way, diagnosing. I'm. I. She said it correctly. Cairo. Yeah, because a lot of. Uh, they say K-I-R-O. Yeah, well, you know, that Cairo actually says it on the radio, K-I-R-O. That's yeah, how they say it. Yeah, so good good for uh, good for Gail there. To capture the company's technicians diagnosing computers with problems that don't even exist. What? Hate when that happens. Reporter Jesse Jones broke this Jesse story. Jesse Jones! He's yeah. in the Cairo newsroom in Seattle. Jesse, Jesse good morning. Good morning, Gail. Office Depot says it helps about 6,000 customers each and every week using the Office Depot PC Health Check. You know, I, I can't believe it's only 6,000 if you think about it. Think yeah. about all their stores throughout the U.S. Well, this remember, he was just focusing on the, the region. Okay, but he makes it sound like the statement from Office Depot says it's all of them. Really? It, doesn't it sound like that? I mean, here, I'll replay it. All right, all right. Because if that's true, 6,000 at the scope of Office Depot is, is, is extremely pathetic. And the reason why I kind of bring that up is... That might be why their salespeople or their tech and guys they're are pushing it. Yeah. yeah. If maybe Fair, they're like, it's yeah. failing. It's okay. in the Cairo newsroom in Seattle. Jesse, good morning. Good morning, Gail. Office Depot says it helps about 6,000 customers each and every week using the Office Depot PC health check. The company says that it does not condone. It's not really clear, is it? No. It's not clear. But it, it, I think he would quantify it as in the Seattle area if it was local just to Seattle. True. That's true. Any of the alleged conduct we uncovered, but our hidden camera showed how employees used the service to sell expensive repairs that basically weren't there. Now, uh, I think anybody listening is like, well, Best Buy probably does this. None of us are shocked by this. Yeah. It's cute that they're shocked. I mean, it's kind of cute. That's kind of adorable. Uh, it turns out also sometimes your mechanic lies to you and your car doesn't need that new fuel injector. Right. Turns or your out. doctor lies to you, say you might need a new knee, and then you go get a second opinion, and then you're like, no, you're fine. That seems like not a common example. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Office Depot technicians repeatedly told us our computers were infected. What? You're infected. And that they could fix them for a hefty fee. Actually, it looks like it's 180 right okay, now. Okay, so this is what I need mm-hmm. to get rid of that malware. The only problem? All the PCs were brand new and fresh out of the box. The computer <laughs> security firm, IOActive, Love also that. gave them a clean bill of health. We found no symptoms of malware. Oh, good. Yeah, they're brand new out of the box. Durr. Look at this one. We even purchased one of the new computers at Office Depot. But when we brought it to technicians at a different store... Malware symptoms were found in the machine. I feel like you and I could have done this. Because, you know, what is the definition of malware? Is it a piece of software that scans your cookies? Then that's malware. You know, I've seen Malwarebytes pick up on cookies and call it malware per se, but... You know, I mean, the take of, I love it. They went and bought a new computer at one Office Depot, took it to another Office Depot, and they said, oh, it's got malware. We should have thought of this. This is great. I, I love hate this. the program. I hate it. Office Depot employee Shane Barnett says his bosses ignored his repeated warnings and were more concerned about sales and quotas. Show me the money! I used to do it. They're like, you have to hit these numbers. And I'm like, I'm not going to make things up. Show me the money! This is so ridiculous. So one geek. One geek. Like, this doesn't happen. I def- Like, this probably happens tens of thousands of times a day, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So you can hit your numbers. I'm not going to do it. Where do we take a computer to be looked at? We brought six computers for checkups at Office <laughs> Depots in Washington and Oregon. Do you have any trouble with it? Just 
At two stores, employees said the computers only needed antivirus software. That'll speed it up. No, everything looks good. One even told us to ignore the test results. It's going to recommend a PC tune-up, but you really don't need to. This is a brand new computer. But at other stores, technicians said they detected serious issues. Usually, it's something as benign as a toolbar hiding away in, say, Internet Explorer. That could actually be completely legitimate on a totally a PC, especially a cheap HP Windows 10 computer. Where, you know, where they load it up, where it, it has adware. That than, could legitimately be tracking you on the web, and this guy totally. could be telling the truth, yeah. and they're framing it as him lying. Well, they did blur his face. I know, to protect but still. Him. The issue is, you know what, you know, here would be a good story. PC manufacturers sell computers with monitoring software. More at 11. But I will say this, though. Brand new computer would still have at least an antivirus trial running or Windows micro, uh, Security Essentials. It would have something running out of the box. It, would, theory, it, it yeah. wouldn't be naked. Yeah, okay. There's a toolbar hiding away in, say, Internet Explorer because it's because it was installed with an update of some sort. Okay. All the way up to full-blown viruses trying to steal your credit card information. <gasps> so they can ruin I'm your scared. According to IOActive, anytime a customer complains about pop-ups, slow speeds, virus warnings, or frequent crashes, Office Depot's computer scans will automatically come up with problems to explain it. They actually did what they said they did and actually cared about their customers, they would have never started this program because this has completely taken advantage of people that are unaware, you know, that they're being taken advantage of. This is why mobile is going to win for average consumers. Oh, yeah. Because this kind of thing is just too confusing for them. Yeah. All right, let's move on to real cyber news, real, real stuff. That's not real. That that happens in your local town everywhere, Chris. I do wish there was something. That's what happens to real people. I wish there was... As geeks, as advocates of technology, I wish there was something more we could do. And I don't mean to be corny, but, you know, almost every time I go over to family's house for Thanksgiving, yeah. that's when they ask me Yeah, in tomorrow's Thanksgiving. As we so, so, so what you do is you go to a Best Buy, Yeah, you go to a home de- uh, office depot, uh-huh. and you stand out front, not in f- directly in front, because that's a their sign, property. PC the, issues come here, and I'll... Like, I'll Free PC check, Five no minute strings, consulting. no strings attached. Actually, that'd be pretty badass. Set up right. in front of a Best Buy, put up a camera on a tripod, and put up a sign that says, Five minutes free PC consulting. Ask me before you go in and, there. And set it up like the old uh, Peanuts cartoon, you know, five, <laughs> yeah. five cents yeah. free advice. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. The doctor is in. You know what? I'm, I'm that guy, though. When I go to family events, I'm like, uh, just install Linux and then I'll help you. <laughs> I'm that guy now. I'm, and I, I, but I, I just say in, install Windows 98 and you're how, good. <laughs> right, right. All right, so let's... Let's talk about something that could be huge, and yeah. it's being it's being positioned as it's not exactly being positioned, but it's implied that it might be related to Trump being the new president. I would like to think there's something more going on here. Your good friend, my buddy, James Clapper, ah, Jim, the guy that sits at the top of all 17 U.S. national security divisions, good old Jim, has submitted his letter of resignation. News: We understand that the director of national intelligence, James Clapper, has told the House Select Committee on Intelligence that he submitted his letter of resignation last night, and he said it felt pretty good. Oddly enough, he's expected to test. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> felt pretty good, and you can. 
Uh, it feels good to get out. It felt pretty good. You know, but if Hillary would, I'd stay in. Isn't that a weird thing for him to say? It's weird. News, we understand that the director of national intelligence, James Clapper, has told the House Select Committee on Intelligence that he submitted his letter of resignation last night, and he said it felt pretty good. Oddly enough, he's expected to testify before the House Intel Committee at any moment now. He'll be testifying about the cooperation between intelligence sources within our government, um, along with the Defense Department. That seems like a, a big interesting development on its own. If that was the only big development, that would be noteworthy. However, there's another story circulating this week that is extremely curious, and it relates to probably one of the number two guys in the whole national security apparatus, and uh, that would be Mike Rogers. My buddy. Your good friend. Not Mike Rogers, the congressman that used to sit uh, on the board. Not that guy. No, but the, the guy that replaced the former NSA boss. This is Mike Rogers, the military guy that now runs the NSA. Oh, okay. Admiral Mike Rogers' post as NSA director could apparently be in jeopardy. What? Reports say that President Obama is considering removing Rogers at the recommendation of Defense Secretary Ash Carter and some other intelligence officials. So the rumor is is that other quote-unquote intelligence officials and Ash Carter have written letters to Obama saying you need to fire this guy. Wow. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Herridge, live for us in Washington with more on this. Prop Catherine, news what's alert. going on? Well, good morning. The allegation is that the director of national intelligence, James Clapper, who is the NSA director's boss, and Defense Secretary Ash Carter advised the White House that Rogers should be removed after two incidents where cybersecurity secrets were stolen. Multiple senior Republicans have now come to the NSA director's defense. And in this letter, the head of the... Ah, news alert. We got one. <laughs> we got one. At a girl, Catherine. She always delivers. She dude. does. God, I love and she it. switches up the hands, too, which is great. And how come nobody else in the news business does it like Catherine? No, she Honestly, is ready. Plus, don't you get the, don't, like, deep down, just, this is, I'm going to just fry a little bacon. All right. All right. And, yep, this bacon is from Ontario, California. Be honest. Yeah. With yourself. Like, let's do word association. When I say House of Cards, you think of... Uh, Kevin Spacey. When I say Krispy Kreme, you think of... <laughs> what? Uh, What's weird Krispy, about that? Uh, what, what, Chris Christie. You say, oh, Chris Christie? Oh, my God, that's funny. <laughs> All Sorry. right. Sorry. Uh, when I say Catherine Heritage, you think... Props! Yeah, I think CIA. For some reason, I just feel like she's got like... A, I feel like she's a CIA spook. Don't you a little bit? A little bit. She's... I mean, she's got her connections. She's so perfect. She's so... Informed. Crisp. And, and like... So asset-like. Yes. I mean, NSA director's defense. And in this letter, the head of the House oh. Intelligence Committee, Devin and Nunez. By the way, one last thing. On- she f- she's she's so good. She f- has the piece of paper yeah, ready to so go the text, in the hand. But the text is outward. Yes. So she knows yeah. she's going to show I it know, to the camera. I know. I, you know what, dude? And it's, it's right side up. It's, it's, it's perfect. If you listen, she obviously already has it in her hand when she yes. starts. Yes. Because she knows this is her thing. Yes. She knows it. And she's playing along. Yes. The director's defense. And in this letter that... She didn't just grab it. No. She already had it in her hand. She was ready. Ready to go. Oh, I know. Before, I, it's so good. Also, by the way, listen. I think she says noon. I think she says your It's name. Devin Nunes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, was, I was trying to surprise I know. Say director's defense. And in this letter, the head of the House Intelligence Committee, Devin Nunes, is calling on both Carter and Clapper to testify before his committee about the allegations as soon as possible. There's also a statement from Senator John McCain that oh. reads in part, any suggestion that Admiral Rogers should be fired is certainly unwarranted. He has my full confidence, and I hope he will have further opportunities oh, to well, serve okay. our country. 
senior sources on the Hill tell Fox News that they think this really looks like a case of sour grapes because the NSA director is now in the mix to lead the intelligence community under a President Trump administration. That's the other key thing is yeah. he, he might be taking Clapper's job, Yeah, which would be interesting. But huge shakeups in the intelligence community right now. Yeah, totally. That's big stuff. Yeah, huge. So let's talk about other things that are shaking up in world events, and that would be ISIS and Russia and Syria uh, and all uh, of that. That's ISIL, by the way. Chris. Oh, you mean IS? Yeah, no, or Daesh. 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 And I think, because um, this, like this is like our post-election, and we're kind of resetting a bit. I think we should, we should reset everyone's lens in which we look at Syria. Okay. We need to remember that the situation in Syria, as, as hard as this here, trigger alert, Trigger alert. The West is responsible for the situation in Syria. And it's hard It's hard for us to admit it, but that's what's going on. Right. And uh, you've heard us speculate about that. You've heard us talk about it. You've heard us reference leaks. I want to play you two different reports to help set your lens correctly. The first one is a report from the BBC. They did some investigative journalism and discovered that while the mortars and the weapons may be manufactured in uh, often in Christian churches – over in Syria and Aleppo and other places, uh, the things they put in those mortars come from the U.S. and Europe. Mm. Uh, Anti-personnel rockets. And in the back rooms, the team find what they're really after. Right, this one. Boxes that once stored ammunition with markings they can trace. Okay, all right, this is Eastern European. I need you to like them. The arms trade is a murky world. But this group has been able to trace where IS gets much of its munitions from. And the answers are surprising. The team has carried out painstaking research, cataloguing serial numbers and tracing the routes. They've found crates of ammunition and rockets manufactured in factories in Eastern Europe. These were bought by the governments of the US and Saudi Arabia. So the guns are manufactured in Eastern Europe. U.S. and Saudi Arabia bought the guns, and then they shipped them to Turkey, in theory, under the veil of being distributed to the moderate rebels. But in reality, they go to everybody, especially the ones that are considered the quote-unquote terrorists. They were supposed to be shipped through Turkey to rebel groups the U.S. and Saudi Arabia supports in Syria. But instead, sometimes as quick as two months from manufacture... From manufacture of gun... To the, in the hand of a rebel or a terrorist, whatever you wow. want to call them, Sometimes within two months. longer to get product at Costco. Manufacture, these fell into the hands of IS and are now being used to kill U.S.-backed Iraqi forces. So I think that's – so we're going to – as we talk about the situation in Syria, that's important to know. And then I want to focus in for – here's another report that uh, shows video in Turkey where they're sending weapons from Turkey into Syria. Artillery reportedly hidden among medical supplies in this convoy of trucks. This is Euro News. An artillery of medical. So they have medical supplies, but it's actually filled with artillery. So Turkey ships it across the border uh, to the terrorists under the veil of medical supplies and, and humanitarian not, aid. And, and the it's, stuff's not even checked. It's weapons. Artillery reportedly hidden among medical supplies in this convoy of trucks. I'm going to take this moment and remind you that Turkey is a NATO member. Turkey is supposedly a U.S. ally in the war against terrorism. Said to be operated by Turkish intelligence officers. Turkish pro-opposition newspaper Cumhuriyet, the Republic, alleges the trucks are heading for Syria and the hands of rebel fighters. Turkey denies arming extremists in Syria. Oh. Four prosecutors who stopped the convoy have been detained along with 34 officials 
vehicles accompanying the trucks, some of whom are said to have shot the video. The Turkish government... I want to make sure it's clear because she just, she just goes right over it. The people that were stopped and now are being detained are not the people that were driving the convoy. It's the people that were doing the investigation in Turkey. The reporters, I want you to listen to this again, the reporters are being detained. In Syria, four prosecutors who stopped the convoy have been detained, along with 34 officials accompanying the trucks. So the prosecutors and, and officials have been arrested. The people driving the trucks, they're fine. Some of whom are said to have shot the video. The Turkish government claims the search of the trucks at the border with civil war-torn Syria was carried out by supporters of an anti-government cleric based in the U.S. The video's release comes as rebels in the country are advancing on Idlib, a province bordering Turkey. That's also, by the way, the same group they, they uh, blamed for uh, the uh, attempted coup in Turkey. Wow. Blaming that same one, which is kind of interesting. So with the lens of those reports, that was Zero News and BBC. It's not stuff we're getting here in the U.S. Correct. In the lens from those reports, now let's look at a report from the U.S. about the situation in Syria. Okay. A renewed assault on Syria's largest city, Aleppo, in recent days has left about 300 people dead. Syrian government forces backed by Russia are pounding areas held by rebels. Syrian government forces in Aleppo backed by Russia, are pounding rebel forces. If that doesn't make sense, think of it like this. Think of like uh, al-Qaeda in Iraq and the Iraqi government has their own forces and they're fighting al-Qaeda and the U.S. is supporting those forces. That is an analogy for the situation in Syria. There is a terrorist insurgent group in Syria. Okay. The Syrian government is fighting that insurgent group, just like what's happening in Iraq. Right. In Iraq, the U.S. is backing the government. In Syria, Russia is backing the government. So Aleppo is owned by the government. The infrastructure, the water, the sewer, the streets, it's all been done by the government, not the rebels. Right. So now keep in mind, when you listen to the rest of this report, the government owns this territory. ...has left about 300 people dead. Syrian government forces backed by Russia are pounding areas held by rebels. Caught in the fighting are dozens of children. Jonathan Vigliotti has the latest. So they make it sound like the government is attacking territory that has children in it. Yep, that's the picture that's been painted. But it's not that way at all. Rebel shelling killed eight children at a school in the government-held part of Aleppo today. Now we get an actual number. Rebel shelling actually killed the children. Right. Rebels would be the ones backed by the U.S. getting their Correct. guns. And a barrel bomb launched by the Syrian regime killed a family of six living on the rebel side. Now that sounds like legitimately the Assad regime. government right. or regime, whatever you want to call, call it, it yeah. is fighting back and people in the way got hurt. This really sucks. And it would be a lot easier if if rebels weren't backed by the U.S., by Turkey, by Qatar, by Saudi Arabia, and by the EU, and by NATO. Two medics with local rescue group The White Helmets said the bomb was packed with chlorine gas and suffocated the victims. The government denied the claim. Hundreds of people, many of them civilians, have been killed since Tuesday when the regime and its allies refocused efforts to take control of rebel-held East Aleppo. The White Helmets scrambled to find victims buried in the Many who survived had nowhere to go. Hospitals have become targets. On Friday alone, airstrikes hit four. So this whole situation makes it sound like it's because of the government. 
that that is frankly not the case. Right. It's pretty disturbing. Uh, and so this this did you hear them? Did you hear them mention about the hospitals? Yeah. This hospital thing, it actually turns out to be five, not four. And it has developed into a real shit show between the State Department, RT, getting real record, like how, what hospitals were hit. How do you know oh, yeah, these hospitals? Uh, yeah, last week, Chikan uh, yeah. was trying to get the information yeah. from the State Department. So let's and, pick up right yeah, there. And then uh, she did get the information, and it's, it's really something. The U.S. State Department says this network, RT, will no longer be treated on the same level as other news outlets. It comes after our correspondent repeatedly asked for evidence to back up the department's allegations that Russia has hit numerous hospitals and airstrikes in Syria. So this was the situation last week, right? And, and by the way, uh, what's his name? God, I always forget his name. He's, he's awesome. Uh, AP Matt. Uh, Matt. Yeah, I Matt, think I got a clip of yeah, him in here. Matt was sticking up for her yeah. and like he wasn't have so any I of think it. that might be in here. Let's see. All right. RT visited the U.S. State Department to request evidence That's to allegations yeah. Russia is targeting hospitals in Syria and blocking humanitarian aid from reaching conflict zones. The State Department spokesperson reiterated the accusations and said he will no longer treat RT the same as other media outlets. RT's Washington correspondent, Gaina Chijikan, gave us her first-hand account of the briefing. It took some pressing an effort to get specifics. Uh, as you know, uh, State Department's John Kirby has accused Russia of hitting five hospitals in Syria within the past few days. When asked by another journalist in which cities, Mr. Kirby did not seem to know or think it was necessary to share such specifics. I followed up on my colleague's question here. Don't you think it is important to give a specific list of hospitals that you're accusing Russia of hitting? Those are grave accusations. I'm not making those accusations. I'm telling you we've seen reports from credible aid organizations that five hospitals and a clinic, Which at least one in clinic. cities, at least. You, you can go look at the, the information that many of the Syrian relief agencies are putting out there publicly. Uh, we're getting our information from them, too. These oh, reports citing those reports without giving any specifics. Because we believe these agencies uh, are, are credible and because we have other sources of information that back up what we're seeing from well, some of these from some of these reports. And you know what? Why don't you, you ask? Well, here's a good exactly, question. Why don't you ask I, your defense ministry that's what, what they're doing? If you and can oh, see if you can get, no, 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 give no, no. a specific. I couldn't believe. I couldn't believe this. I mean, this is totally unprofessional. Yeah, yeah. This is this is. I mean, super unprofessional. He's supposed to be answering questions, and now he's flipping. Why don't you? I think, it's like whoa. I think this is when Matt jumps in. Yeah, uh, he's shortly after this. I think. No, no, no. My my colleagues who are I'm listening to, hopefully would be able to go and ask Russian officials about a specific list of hospitals that you work for Russia, Russia today, right? Isn't that, that is your agency? And so, yes. why shouldn't you ask your government? The same kinds of questions that you're standing here asking he must be me. On the ask way them out. about their military. He must be on the way out, dude. Yeah. He must be on the way out. Here, I'm going to jump ahead to Matt because it just it's it's ridiculous. By the way, she does get the email, but here's here is uh, here's Matt here. Questions, but they're they're not, you know. From a state owned from a state owned they're not from a state owned outlet. But they're not from a state owned outlet. Matt, Matt, they're from a state owned outlet. I didn't say the questions were out of line. Okay. Okay, but I'm not Oh no, I understand. I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna put Russia today on the same level with the rest of you who are well, representing independent question well, well, hold on but, but, but just what do you think about that I, I agree with some members of the chat room uh, on this this is totally unprofessional yeah and it's totally showing bias in a in a way that is very detrimental 
to any kind of media. I mean, so uh, I assume is the BBC in that meeting? I know, right? All right. Are, I mean, I, I think thinking, they are, right? right? Yeah, what about NPR even? Right. Or, or honestly, let's let's not pretend like the mainstream media hasn't been totally in lockstep with every message of the it, Obama administration I mean, for his and, entire And this is run. not getting any play because it's Russia today. And it's totally unprofessional because if it happened to an NBC oh or, or CNN or anybody, they would be just, it, it would be livid. Even, and, even, uh, even Huffington Post. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anybody like that. But, you know, because Kirby, maybe he has something against Russia today or maybe the State Department does. I don't know. I don't care. But they granted Russia today to, to uh, a press credential, right? So if they granted them a, a press credential, they're on the same level. And to to treat Guyan, my lady, can that way. I mean, no, that's that's bull crap. Wasn't cool. Wasn't no, cool. not cool. And and props to Matt for for trying to stick up for her. And Kirby's just shut him down too. So I guess the uh, RT uh, media will be asking their defense ministry about uh, these five hospitals that were struck tomorrow. And um, um, I get, uh, I, I will bet you right now they're going to say, "What are you talking about?" And yeah. then, and then, what's going to happen is she's going to come back, or, or it's going to be moved on by then. We did no such thing. What are you talking about? Uh, he was on the uh, bear. <laughs> Speaking of uh, the bear riding Putin, did you hear that he and Obama had like the super awkward meeting? That was President Obama wrapped up his final overseas trip as president today, meeting with world leaders in Lima, Peru. Go, uh, uh, the president met face to face with his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin. Errol Barnett is there. It was a brief and somber exchange between President Obama and Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, I'm sorry. The the four minute meeting focused on Ukrainian sovereignty and a push for further cooperation in Syria. Ukrainian Ukrainian sovereignty. And in four minutes, they talked about Ukrainian sovereignty, which what does that even mean? (laughs) What does that even mean? Does that even mean like does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. Does that mean something to do with Crimea and keeping it separate? Does that mean reintegration? Does that mean Russia not continuing to interfere with the new Ukrainian government? Yeah, what, what's it mean? What does that mean? Right. And then and then the and then continued participation in Syria. What does that mean? Does that mean don't bomb hospitals? Don't bomb the guys that we're arming that are attacking Aleppo? Yeah. What, like, what's it there's mean? no way there's going to be an agreement. If if Russia is invited in by the Syrian government to back them up and they are allies and they're their military partner and U.S.-backed rebels are taking Aleppo, there's no way the government's going to let that happen. And if, if the government's being backed by Russia, there's not going to be any cooperation there. Between President Obama and Russian President Vladimir Putin. According to the White House, the four-minute meeting focused on Ukrainian sovereignty and a push for further cooperation in Syria. This is the first meeting of the two men since the election of Donald Trump, who has repeatedly praised Putin's strength. We've demonstrated what's possible when our two countries work together. In a formal meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping, Mr. Obama put an optimistic spin on cooperation between the two nations. The president said leaders from across the Asia-Pacific have decided to move ahead with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. And Trump, we'll get to that in a moment. However, I want to just interrupt because uh, chat room has some real-time freaking follow-up. Did you see that right there? I'm going to roll the dice, Chase. All right. Uh, Trump's banana linked us to the uh, Russian foreign minister's response. Oh, geez, dude, it's super long. No uh, way, no way. You know what I'm going to do? I'll put it in the. Uh, I'll put it in that there uh, show notes because look at that. There's no. How way long I'm, is that? 
It's seven. I can't see it. It's 16 minutes and 20 seconds. Holy crap. Okay. I'm feeling like maybe we shouldn't play that in the show, but no. you know what I'm going to do? What's that? You're going to put it in the uh, show notes? Just put it in the freaking show notes. Done. I just put it in the in the damn show notes. We'll, we'll have a, a more condensed clip for next week. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. So uh, you had a clip in here about uh, a, a bombing in Aleppo. I like this clip, Chase. So it's, I put it in the supporter sync if people want to check it out. So that, like a little raw footage. Yeah, so so basically uh, what I found here and uh, what the accusation is essentially is a barrel bomb. Uh, what they're saying was released from this plane that mm-hmm. was actually uh, flying overhead. Right. And it was just pushed out. The one we just mentioned a bit ago. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And with chlorine in it, they say. That's right. There it is right there. Yeah. So the raw footage of that is in the supporter sync if you guys want to check that out. Check that out. Check it out. So, Mr. Chase, did you know that this is a listener-supported show? You and- know, I... I've I've heard about that, and you know we talked about that last week. How we you know we don't have to worry about appeasing to the sponsors sure, sure, sure. because we don't have any sponsors. Our sponsors are the people who support us at Patreon.com slash Unfiltered. So why don't we? Before, you know what I was just thinking before we do the Patreon plug. Yeah, maybe we should talk because I feel like this would be a good lead up. Little little uh, remix right here. Let's talk about fake news. Fake news. <laughs> fake news. <laughs> fake news. Everybody's been talking about fake, fake news. news. Fake news. Fake news. Yeah! You are not serious about facts. Obama is Ooh. warning us about the dangers of fake news. President Obama. And what's true and what's not. Uh, and particularly in an age of social media where so many people are getting uh, their information in sound bites and snippets off their phones. Uh, if we can't discriminate between serious arguments and propaganda, then we have problems. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, we got real problems. We got really serious, big, huge, leads to the kind of clusterfuck we're in right now kind of problems. Because what happens is people end up grabbing the stories that identify with them, even though they're not true, and then you help propagate the the falseness yeah yeah uh, and and but let's not pretend like the mainstream media isn't no, right, no. predominantly responsible no. for all of this but in a fact, lot of the sites that they were referring to are you know are are not news sites well, that was President Obama addressing so-called fake Fox news stories. The president and others attacking Facebook and Google this week for carrying stories with a dubious relationship with the truth. It's also the subject of one of Howard Curse's latest columns. The host of Media Buzz on Fox joins us now. Howie, I'm curious about this. How, how do you determine what is fake news these days? Well, in some cases, it's not very difficult, Jen. I mean, some of these stories that are so popular on Facebook are just flat-out made-up stuff, like Pope Francis has endorsed Donald Trump, or Hillary Clinton is sending weapons to ISIS. And I have to say, the popularity of this stuff mystifies me a little bit, because I think fake news is a cancer on the media business. All right, so let's talk about fake news. So you've probably heard this, uh, if you even you casually, in fact, you know what, maybe I should play a couple more clips before I get too much further. But even if you've casually listened, you've heard about uh, posts on Facebook that got lots of traction about the Pope. Uh, Facebook and Google have been so demystified by it, they're, they're going to crack down. In Germany today, President Obama called the spread of fake news online a threat to democracy. Oh, Facebook and other social media sites are being criticized for not doing enough to stop bogus stories that seem to dominate the election cycle. Jerika Duncan has more on this. 
When a satirical website headlined a story, Pope Francis shocks the world, backs Trump, the fake news went viral. Waves of false headlines on social media have turned readers into believers. Okay, so that's one of the really common examples that gets cited quite a bit, right? Yes, that is well, correct. You know, Reason.com just did a little bit of basic, super average math stuff that I, I believe my seven-year-old son would probably be capable of doing. All right. Uh, and it kind of goes like this. Uh, the thing is, is the fake news story about Pope Francis endorsing Donald Trump got 960,000 engagements. Okay, wow. 960,000 engagements. Lot. Yeah, okay. sound, that does. That sounds like a lot. Uh, but according to Alexa, which monitors internet traffic, uh, you look at things like the Washington Post, which is the source for Facebook's second most engaged story, the one that everybody's citing is, and this real story from the Washington Post got this much less engagement. Well, it ranks 195th in the world in terms of website reach, 40th in the United States alone. And in one month, the Post will rack up 770 million page views. <laughs> 770 million page views is what the post will get. Wow. Last October, during when this story ran, it had seven stories that topped more than one million unique views each. Whew. So this, this, number one, this number one story that the mainstream media is citing as the thing that spread misinformation about Pope Francis is bullshit. It had a, it had a tiny, tiny, tiny tiny reach compared to the average traffic that the Washington Post gets alone. How many stupid likes and clicks it got on Facebook are not in any way a measurement of the actual reach it had with the U.S. public? Mm. This whole story is bullshit. This story about wow. fake news is fake news. The real issue here is the mainstream media is totally bankrupt in trust with the public. And that's why, despite two years of shitting on Donald Trump, he still won the presidency. They ran after him. Once the general election hit, they shifted into high gear to attacking him, framing every negative thing against Hillary Clinton as something Donald Trump says. Even when they talked negative about Hillary, it was because Donald Trump talked about it. Therefore, they must talk about it. Donald Trump, they then on top of that, they have branded everyone around Donald Trump as a hater as a racist, as a Muslim basher. Look at Brandon. Look at the way they have branded him. Look at everyone around him, the way that all of us now have been framed to view them by the mainstream media. He's been constantly attacked, and they still failed to get Hillary into the office. And so now, because they've lost all trust with the media, with the mainstream public, the media is attempting to pivot to this bullshit excuse. But just the basic numbers that my seven-year-old son could add up are obviously telling us that the Washington Post had an astronomically higher, completely different level, totally different category of reach than these fake news stories. It's crap. It's total crap by the media to make up for the fact that they've lost. Right. What about, though, the instances where Trump did say the bad things and, and do the bad stuff and, you know, the clip from Axis Hollywood, you know, and, and grabbing and that sort of thing? I mean, are they not supposed to report on those kind of situations or are I mean, what do you mean? Well, I mean, sure, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, so there's no, I'm saying I'm saying this this meme that fake news is is getting more attention right. than them is bullcrap. Nobody is there. They're, nobody is. Nobody is so stupid that they're reading one thing on Facebook and they believe that's the way it is. This this entire image that they're trying yeah, to create I is know, crap I, because I, the reach of the Washington Post uh, eclipses anything that so these fake news sites. I only got. know what's in my little world on Facebook and my in my. Fa <laughs> My Facebook page is, you know, 
I really try to focus it on people that I actually know. All right. Not random people and, and that sort of thing. So if you sent me a friend request and I haven't responded, it's because I don't know you. Let's get to know each other first. But that being said, I've seen stories posted by my own friends. Mm-hmm, me too. As fact, yeah. as they believe that that is true. Uh, and there was like this one story uh, where, where I don't know if it's fake or I mean, I know it's real. Where a guy uh, was, uh, it was caught on a camera or dash cam where uh, he was let flipping me, off a guy in front of him. Let me stop you because I, yeah. let me just give you an analogy. I'm not saying that people don't have their own reality where they can where they see things that justify what they think. And right. They, what I'm saying is like like how Bill Bill O'Reilly claims there's a war on Christmas every year when Christianity has an unfeathered total dominance in the U.S. The mainstream media is claiming there is a war on the truth when they're the ones that are actually attacking it. The entire argument is it exists. But it's like comparing our download numbers to the viewership of the NBC Nightly News. Right. It's literally that comparison. It's claiming that a show with thirty to 50,000 listeners has the reach of a show with 15 million, 10 million listener, viewers. It's, they're not even in the same product category. Well, I mean, I think they're just talking about the stories that are that are being pushed and propagated on, on in, in social media. That I think that's what they're hyper focusing on here, where you know you you see the trending news stories and they're fake or they're not true because and the reason why they're trending is because they're being shared amongst friends, amongst people that think like them. So here's where this is leading. Google and Facebook report they're trying to crack down now on fake news. BuzzFeed recently reported it found examples of bogus headlines from both sides of the political aisle as, as a matter of example. This is a path to the dark side for the Internet. Oh, yeah. Self-censoring is a bad idea. The Internet should be about intellectual expression, not about protecting. Like all great tools, when I went into my dad's workshop, there were tools in there that he could use to create a woodshed, to build, my, to build me a treehouse, and there were tools I could put a hole through my hand with. Just like on Linux, there's tools I can use to delete a single file, and that same tool could delete my entire file system. When you give me something that is powerful, I have the power to do something bad, and I have the power to do something good. That is what the Internet is. And this self-censoring Nancy bullshit about protecting people from fake news is crap. People just need to be given tools to source better. That's what the issue is here. And censoring speech, that's going to lead us down a very bad path. Bogus headlines from both sides of the political aisle, as, as a matter of example, including a hoax that Pope Francis had endorsed Donald Trump, which he did not, and a fake Surgeon General warning about drinking every time the Republican nominee told a lie during a debate. The Facebook CEO, Mark Zuckerberg, defended his website, saying 99% of what people see on the site is authentic, but his company and Google have announced plans to ban fake news websites from using their advertising services. Now, how long until Unfilter is a fake news website? You know, it's it's one of those things where when you say, you know, if people have the tools to they already have the tools uh, to fact check, they already have the tools to to look up their stuff, but they're not doing it. They're just propagating their their own narrative in their mind of what they feel is true. Well, just like I was saying, the Internet's a tool to do good or bad. The Internet is a tool for you to inform yourself, too. And I I mean, I, I really, truly believe that things like our show uh, give people a way to tune into a particular perspective or hear a particular set of news in a way that is actually manageable and consumable in an average week 
that is that is not that is not something where you have to sort of question the motive. You have to sort of question the reasoning or the narrative. You have to question the host's personal goals or motives. It's there's a lot of news options out there, and depending on your bent. There's ones for extremes on either side. Right. You know, there's the folks that would sign up for Alex Jones. Yeah. There's the there's the folks that uh, would go down the Rush Limbaugh path and do like like the all access there. There's like all these different sources for people that want to be in their bubble. And I hope I hope that our show manages to find something there in the middle where there's really nothing that we won't discuss as long as we feel there's a value to it. And, and because we respect the listener's right. time, we respect yep. the viewer's time, I hope our show offers people something unique. Now, last week we only picked up a single patron. And I, I, I would love to see a few more people sign up at patreon.com slash unfilter. You get access to the uh, supporter sync, which uh, – waiting on Libre Vault will eventually be migrating to Libre Vault. Right now it's BitTorrent, so you can just go back in the archive and find the keys. You also, just on the Patreon, if you just want to go there, you can get access to the entire live stream version of this show. And we have a mail sack where you can, at 33 and above, you can submit mail into the show that we will read right here when you guys do that. So not only is it a way to source our show by the audience, so that way you know where our loyalties lie, but it's a great way to give us the incentive to focus on something like what 522 people actually care about. Not what's going to ger- generate clicks, not what's going to make us go viral on YouTube, what's going to make 522 people thankful that every single week they supported our show. So everyone over at patreon.com slash unfilter, thank you so much. And if you haven't signed up yet and you're considering it, please do. It would mean very much to us. Now, Chase, do we have anything in the sack? Do you want we me to- do oh! have something in the pre-Thanksgiving sack! Ah, uh, do you know, by the way... That I, I cook the Thanksgiving for the family. No. Yeah. Are you doing the Alton Brown technique? Or are you I, doing? I do the Alton do Brown technique. I do. High five right here, buddy. Good man. Yes. That's the best turkey it ever. It is the best. And it, I've done it for the yeah. last few years, and, and you know it's what? the best thing ever. It buys you better, more time. It buys you like that time in the oven. And then do you do the pre, like super high? Oh, oh yeah. And 500 the, degrees, yeah. and then 30 minutes, and then you knock it down the 350. I've done it so many years in a row. It is the best turkey ever. Yes. Yeah, everybody loves Good it. Good call. Everybody loves it. All right, we got a couple messages this week in the sack. First one comes from Stefan or Stefan. Hi, Chase. Last show of Old Short was great. Noah brings really brings a lot of fresh views and opinions to the show. Maybe, just maybe, you could do a three way sometime. Keep up the good work. All right. Uh, next one. I I know I'm going to screw this up, uh, but it's oh, it's cops rule. It says hey. I saw last week's episode, and I... Yes? Oh, come on in. Have a seat. Uh, I saw last week's episode, and I feel I represent all viewers when I say your middle-of-the-road opinion is thoughtful and unbiased. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving, my libertarian brother. Wow. Oh, and that is the sack this week. Remember, if you jump in at the 33-33 level or higher... You can submit your message into my sack. We do it every single episode. Right now, there's a waiting list to get in to the sack. Oh, I'll have to talk to management about increasing yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Thank you to those of you in the 33 Club, and thanks to everybody who supports us over there at patreon.com slash unfilter. But All yeah, right. But yeah, by the way, the turkey, going back to the turkey, I'm thinking about it right now because it's going in the brine tonight. Yes, buddy. I cannot wait. God, man. Yes. Nice. Now, now how, what do you, how anal do you get about where you source the turkey from? 
Oh, I'm I'm not very anal about it. Yeah. I uh, feel like the brine actually buys you quite a bit of room on that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I got my turkey from Costco. Oh, well, that's going to be a great bird. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's great. All right. So speaking of great birds, let's talk about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, we don't have a lot actually. This is the least amount of clips. What are you ha- talking about, Chris? She's she. Oh, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. <laughs> she 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 goes for runs. Yeah, we're gonna get there. She buddy. goes to the store. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but this is like in a year. This is like the least amount of clips we've had. Uh, and I know. Wait. Yeah, that's that's not a lot. No. <laughs> so let's see. Let's see here, though. This is uh, let's start with the, 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 the heavy hitters, the heavy hitters. Let's start with Nancy Pelosi and let's start with Harry Reid, who's no longer uh, got the, the uh, bum eye. And uh, they got uh, they got their reasons why Hillary lost the election. Oh, well, really? Yeah, you'll never guess. No, I'll never guess. Liberal America. You know, it's easy to second guess what Hillary did. I love Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry she lost. I did everything I could to help. No, you and, didn't. You know, Come I on. could go through a litany of things. There's no question in my mind. She would have won this election without any problem if Comey had not been... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Really? Operative that he is. He's an operative. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Chris Matthews, and his face is like, holy shit, bro. Chris Hayes. Yeah, oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) The lesbian at MSNBC. For example... These are strong... Did you see that face? How like, great whoa. is that? Yeah, you don't normally you don't normally catch that, but uh, yeah, that uh, let's see here. Let's go back to uh, Chris Hayes' reaction. He even uh, says that's a strong reaction. That he is. For example, those are strong words, Senator. But, but I believe it. He came out against. Edit. That was a big edit. Huge edit. That was yeah. a huge edit. Yeah. He looked no hand on face, hand on face, and Chris Matthews looks like he's had two shots. <laughs> Uh, so there, that is uh, that's Harry Reid, and now here is uh, your buddy, my friend, secret lover, Nancy Pelosi. I believe that the, the Comey letter. <laughs> She's looking good this week. A, Shut up. A foul deed. It was a wrong thing to do. The Comey letter, she believes, was a foul deed. It was a wrong thing to do. <sighs> I have great admir- I have had great admiration. Uh, for director had it no longer have it no it's gone i think that he just couldn't take the heat i think there should be an investigation you notice her collar is a little off on on the side there like she's she's a little frazzled yeah we'll figure out how to call for that of how giuliani knew two days before that something was coming she's just kind of kind of Stammering. I I think she's rambling. Yeah, she's trying to grab just random reasons that she's heard in uh, on her Facebook feed. So I mean, it's fake news. Fake news. It's been the practice of prosecutors and U.S. attorneys. Is she drunk? A a practice? Practice Prosecutors. Well, look, her collar's off. She's just kind of stammering. Her her hair's kind of messed up. Maybe. It has I'm been the practice of prosecutors. And she does sound... See, I think she's a little drunk here. I, I'm looking at her. Look at she's disheveled, too. It has been the practice of prosecutors and U.S. attorneys historically. Yeah, I bet she, after the Hillary uh, law, she's drinking because she doesn't know what the hell she's going to do. Uh, she, knows, she knows she's a cook goose. Not to release that kind of information, even when they have think it's significant, so close to an election, and Director Comey said, I don't know if this is significant. It really just just changed everything. So they're both, you know, it's Comey, it's Comey, it's Comey, it's Comey. Uh, and when it's not Comey, it's also the media. 
By the way, is New York Magazine going to retract this loser cover? Can you retract a cover? Did you see that? Did the New York ship? Wow, yeah. really? Yeah, they shipped that because they were so convinced that Hillary was going to win. That, that, that is an awful picture of Donald Trump, too. <sighs> cover? Uh, turns out Hillary Clinton's campaign is also charging media bias now that she's lost the election. Everyone expected her to win. Uh, Kristen in a conference call with donors yesterday. Can you believe? So she's in a conference call with donors and she blames media bias. <laughs> media bias. <laughs> well, I, I'm, you know, Hillary, you know, you're right. Too much media was coddling you. They an airplane gets lost in the ocean and it's <laughs> it's 17 days back to back coverage. Right. CNN wall to wall. Weekly and daily document dumps from WikiLeaks and Podesta and DNC yeah. leaks, yeah. and they spend five oh, minutes and, on it. Oh yeah, and and the scandal. Oh yeah, but that didn't hurt her. No. Widely reported by the media, Hillary Clinton talked about FBI Chief James Comey renewing that investigation into the email. Our analysis is that Comey's letter raising doubts that were groundless, baseless, proven to be stopped our momentum, says Hillary Clinton. So let's make something clear. This is Hillary Clinton. She, so this is the she said this a few times. Comey's letter stopped all momentum. In reality, Hillary Clinton's support was so soft by her uh, quote-unquote supporters. And you could tell this by her rally attendance. You could tell this by the trust polling. Absolutely correct. Her support was so soft that the slightest problem caused a collapse. It wasn't – the issue was her campaign – Wasn't that strong. And no. And look at their branding. Their branding was super weak. And they had – they brought in all of these heavy hitters to try to do all of the high-energy lifting for her. I I thank you for saying this because it's one of those things that was in in the back of my mind where if her campaign was solid and it was there and nothing was a a matter and she was going to win by 20 points, whatever the case may be, this Friday story wouldn't have affected her one bit because her supporters and the people that were going to vote for her anyway wouldn't have been phased by it. You know, when I made my Red Book prediction that the email scandal wasn't... Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. Steak dinner coming up soon. You're right, actually. That's right. <laughs> we got to do that. That's Let's, right. We should figure that out. That's right. I, I, want, I don't want that hanging for too long. No, I and don't And I want either. a good steak dinner, too. It's me, too. Yeah. Uh, but when when uh, I honestly thought to myself, my rationale there, the my logic journey that I went down was Hillary Clinton has been preparing, preparing for this job for 30 years. Yes. She's been... The day she lost the election in 2008, she began preparing for 2016. Right. And she knew that it, when, she, when she started her own private email server, she knew that she was going to be running for president. She's got this buttoned up. She's going to have this figured out by the time the general election comes around. By the time Sanders submits his, uh, his uh, con- what are you, consents or whatever you call it. Whatever, I forget what we called it back then. But by the time Sanders gets in line, Hillary Clinton's going to have this whole email thing buttoned up. Right. In reality, it haunted her literally up to the day of the election. She never successfully buttoned it up. She never closed the deal. That's on her. That's on her. That's on how she approached it. That's on what she did. That's on the rules she broke. And that's on her how her campaign responded from it from day one. And I could sit here and I could blast in your face whole 15 clips from the past, from the past two years where Hillary Clinton botched her answer on this every single time. In reality, it's all on her. It's on the Clintons. It's on their ties with the Clinton Foundation. Foundation. It's on the corruption that she represents. It's not the media. And, and a lot of it was due to what she said with her own mouth. 
yeah, you man. know, and uh, the 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 what was it the press conference in front of the UN, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that she said out of her own mouth contradicted herself. And so when you have and that, you have the Wall Street yeah. speeches, or she claims she's a change agent, but she's going to, yeah, that, that's all. That's all super iffy and weak to begin with. It just seeds doubt. If then there was all this other stuff around Hillary Clinton that I think is more damaging on like a strength level, and that was her health. A lot of speculation about her health. A lot of people like from Colin Powell's. Remember when Colin Powell's emails came out and said she could barely go up the steps? Yeah. We saw the photos of her getting assistance going up steps, and then she collapsed at the 9-11 event. Now, Chris, you bring up health, and I, and I have a feeling I know we're going to go to next possibly. It, I mean, if she's such in bad health, how is she uh, hiking on, on a trail? And Chris? a new image of Hillary Clinton tonight from a woman who says she went for a hike because she was heartbroken about the election. Heartbroken about the election. And then she ran into Clinton herself walking with her husband, Bill, and their dogs. The two of them posing for this photograph, the woman telling Clinton one of the most proud moments of her life was taking her little daughter with her to vote for Clinton for president. <sighs> All right. Who was taking right. the picture? Who was taking the picture, by the way? Uh, I was. Yeah, it was Bill. Yeah. So this, the way the story goes, Bill was taking the picture. Hillary and Bill were just on a walk with their dogs, and this mom comes along and poses with Hillary. What do you have to say about this? Well, first off, when I first saw it, uh, and I agree with Aikshin, I didn't realize, by the way, that she has ties to Clinton. Oh, I was, that was my surprise. I was going to mention that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, she does. So, what I hate about these these situations, and and folks. I know you as an audience are very smart and you know that this was not a random chance encounter because Hillary, uh, just by being a former senator, a former first lady, she has circuit, uh, circuit, <laughs> secret service protection for life. Yeah, man. And, and well, then you got Bill. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, Bill's, Bill's on out. the walk too. Bill's there. So what happens is the secret service, they go out ahead of time and they, they kind of scout the area. Uh, if there's anybody in the area or any people, they, they always check them and make sure. So this was not a random encounter. This was not a, a choice thing. But I really wanted to talk to you about this, Chris, because not only this occurred, but then another instance actually occurred uh, just the other day. Yeah, uh, she was uh, she was uh, so she was hiking before the event before this thing the other day. Also, she gave a speech. Oh, that's right. Yeah, this, this talk where uh, she's coming uh, here tonight wasn't the easiest thing there for me. There have been a few times this past week. Very minimal makeup. When yep. uh, all I wanted to do was just to curl up with a good book or our dogs and never leave the house again. People, some people were shocked. In fact, this lighting is very favorable on the CNN feed. So there was that. Then, yeah. Then there was the, what, then there was the next sighting. What's the next sighting, Mr. Chase? Uh, just I, happened like today, right? Yeah, just uh, happened today. Uh, just random. I, what, was that a store or something like that? I forget already. Yeah. It's just... I, let me see. I might have a clip on it, but I think it was like uh, she was like at a bookstore, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't have a chance to see if the person at the bookstore had any uh, had uh, any ties to Clinton. But what I'm trying to figure out is why? Why is this being pushed? Like, oh, she's just so happened to have a chance encounter hanging out with people. Oh, here she is taking another picture. So I don't remember this happening after the last election. This is this is exactly what you do when you need to hold on to power. And I'm not going to uh, I won't I won't play much, but I'm going to just play a, a bit from CPG Gray's video they put out on November 7th. Rulers are so often related. Power passes from member to member, forming a dynasty. And he talks about how health is a super important part of keys to power in this video. 
Your impending death forces your keys to plan for your replacement, not just to maintain their treasure, but also because a dead ruler surprise without plans in place will lead to a scramble for power at best and a bloodbath at worst, leaving many keys on the inside now, on the outside after. This is why if you happen to be sick, keep it's secret. If your keys even think you might die on them, they must start planning for the next ruler to avoid this. So the Clinton Foundation is built on top of donations and connections to governments and and powers all around the world. And if people are speculating that Hillary Clinton's health is bad, then the people beneath her, they could be losing their loyalty. They could be losing their hold over them, their power over them. Uh, the whole video makes a lot more sense. I'm going to link it in the show notes so you can guys, you guys can w- watch the whole thing after the show. It's there. I just linked it. It's really, it's really good. You have to put this image out there that everything is okay with the Clintons, that they're moving on, that they're still a political player, that they still have power, that they haven't been defeated. It's critical to the Clinton dynasty that the American people perceive her as healthy. So when when the rumors continue and perhaps her health declines even further, they can point to well, look, she was out hiking, she was at a bookstore, randomly meeting people. But these it's two ridiculous encounters are so close together, though. It's like maybe you should space them out so we don't try to tie uh, and connect the dots here because it just feels too forced right now. I mean, yeah, all right, fine. Uh, walking after a tough election, all right, I'll give you that one. But man, this it's just like, why do you need to try to reinsert yourself right now, Hillary? I mean, why right now? Because she still has other interests. She yeah. wasn't necessarily – she wasn't running for the presidency for the people. She was running for the That's presidency true. for existing interests and those interests still right. exist. That's true. And it's critical that people don't think that she's dying. Uh, and you know what? Your buddy. My good friend. Donald Trump is going to do her some favors. Apparently, he's uh, backing off on that whole spe- special prosecutor mm-hmm. thing. We begin with breaking news uh, sourced with direct knowledge of Donald Trump's thinking tells Morning Joe that in his administration, the president-elect will not pursue any investigations into Hillary Clinton for her use of a private email server and the Clinton Foundation. The source tells Morning Joe that Trump feels Clinton has, quote, been through enough. She's been through enough. Well, remember, Chris, they were were friends for, what, 20 years? She's been through enough. Yeah. She's been through enough. Big the leash. election, the election, what was it that she went through? What punishment was it that she received for the violation of the secrets of the United States? Chris, of Amer- she's been through enough because she's not feeling well. This development comes after he said this in an interview with 60 Minutes 10 days ago. I'm going to think about it. She did some it, bad things. I mean, she I did know, some bad things. I know, but a special prosecutor? You I think don't want to hurt them. I don't want to hurt them. They're, they're good people. No, they're not. I don't want to hurt them. Wow. The FBI has reiterated its stance from July not to recommend charges against Clinton. It remains to be seen how Republican leaders will react. You know what I think? I, I thought about that. I thought, well, maybe he doesn't want it on him. Maybe he wants it on that committee. And they're gonna yeah, continue. he's not going to stop it. Right. Like he's but gonna, he's not going to lead the charge. Exactly. That's what I think. I think that's he, what I think, too. Yeah, he's going to step away from it, but he's not going to get in the way. Right. President-elect Donald Trump has just released a video outlining his policy plan for his first 100 days in office, including jobs, trade and energy. I was kind of surprised he did this. He just like said, screw you to the media and just went directly to YouTube. That's right. 
My agenda will be based on a simple core principle, putting America first. Whether it's producing steel, building cars, or curing disease, I want the next generation of production and innovation to happen right here on our great homeland, America, creating wealth and jobs for American workers. He did a pretty good job. By the way, you know what I realized? Uh, so this whole transition 2017, they have a Twitter feed and everything. Yeah, and a YouTube account. Right. And all that. Do you know that there's also like... I think it was like uh, America or AmericaGreat.gov or something. They have like a .gov now as well. Hmm. I think it's AmericaGreat.gov. And I was just thinking, wow, that's fast to put this polish on. And I mean, he had a good video. I'm not, you know. Yeah, the production seemed the production, good. That's what I'm referring to, by the way. Uh, so I want to talk about the the general narrative that's being set up. And I think it's one of these really insidious narratives that is just setting the way people think about Trump and his supporters. And it, we're not even having a conversation about the assumptions. And I think this video is, is a good one to start with to sort of talk about this. The Alt-Right National Policy Institute. Over the weekend, they gathered in Washington to celebrate Donald Trump's victory. Here's how... They celebrated using Nazi propaganda terms, bashing Hillary Clinton's minority support and saying America belongs to white people. Also this. Hail Trump. Hail our people. Hail victory. So this is a room full of real shitheads uh, that, uh, of course, are getting a lot of attention. Someone from The Atlantic was in the audience. A couple of different clips are cut together. I'm not sure if they actually had multiple people in the audience or some of these clips are from other things. That video comes from The Atlantic. In that same speech, apparently, he also questioned whether Jews are actually people. The Trump team has responded in a statement. This is from spokesman Brian Lanza, quote. Yeah, they deny, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So this alt-right is, you've heard it before, you've heard it during the election. In fact, we've been talking about the alt-right since August 26, 2016. Why that date? Actually, I'm sorry, it was August 25th, not 26, August 25th, 2016. We've been talking about the alt-right since then because that's the day that Hillary Clinton introduced it to the public. But for Trump, that is just par for the course. This is someone who retweets white supremacists online, like the user who goes by the name White Genocide TM. Trump took this fringe bigot with a few dozen followers and spread his message to 11 million people. So this, uh, and I actually have a couple of different um, Hillary Clinton speeches from Nevada where she really laid this all out. She really associated Trump with these alt-right characters. I want to talk about the alt-right here in a second, but I think this is actually a super important thing for you to understand. The alt-right was established in 2005, but really we never even heard the term until August 25th, 2016, when Hillary Clinton did these speeches. His campaign famously posted an anti-Semitic image, a Star of David imposed over a sea of dollar bills that first appeared on white supremacist websites. The Trump campaign has also selected a prominent white national nationalist leader as a delegate in California, and they only dropped him under pressure. Just like the Clinton campaign in 2008 started the birther rumors until they dropped the person that started it, 
under pressure. I mean, Hillary Clinton's campaign has been associated with people that were starting fights at events, literally election fraud. So you could cherry pick these candidates however you like. They're both sons of bitches. When asked in a nationally televised interview whether he would disavow the support of David Duke, a former grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan, Trump wouldn't do it. And only later again, under mounting pressure, did he backtrack. You ought to look at Hillary Clinton's history with the Ku Klux Klan, especially when Clinton was a governor, Bill. Uh, so I'll save you from the other Hillary clips where she makes this association, this connection. So let's talk about the alt-right. I decided to look into it. So the alt-right, where that party's at, where all those people were saying, hail Trump, yeah. that was put on by the alt-right National Foundation. Okay. The alt-right National Foundation or something to that effect, I have all the links in the show notes, is financed by a single person. It's ran by a single person. He started in 2016. It's financed by a former Facebook investor. One person runs it. One person finances it. It's a tiny operation. The members that go there, they stir up the local dumb shits and assholes that care about this kind of stuff, the, you know, the real D-bags, and they drag them into these events, and they have cameras in there, and they leak this shit to the media. Uh. The alt-right, while disgusting, again, going back to the fake news story, is infinitesimally small. It's tiny. It's one man that finances it. The, all this stuff with Brannon and the connection there, it's all loose. Isn't there any danger, though, by, by if the media knows this to be true, by giving that exposure, doesn't it help increase the movement? Probably. Yeah. I mean, that's not a good idea. Uh, I have links, too, in the show notes where they talk about what defines the alt-right movement, and it's things like calling people cucks. That, that's part of the alt-right movement. And they just talk it like the, – the, and the, to, to read the, the news press covering this like it's a, like it's a factual thing, it's, it's, it's so stupid when you read it. It's unbelievable that we're even having this conversation. The alt-right, while it exists and it's filled with uh, uh, what, it, what was uh, a basket of deplorables, while it's filled with basket of deplorables or whatever she called them, right. it, it's like giving attention – it's like giving attention to the trolls, you're, to the trolls oh, yeah. on YouTube or yeah. the trolls on Reddit or the trolls in IRC. You're giving attention to the trolls, even though the vast majority doesn't have those thoughts. You're focusing in on a single group that's financed by a single ex-Facebook guy, also the guy who's one of the investors in Oculus, by the way, and, <laughs> and some douchebag who slicks his hair back, who runs it, who just started in 2016, right around when Hillary Clinton's campaign wanted mm, to start talking wow. about this. There's there and then every single time somebody who's associated with some douchebag group comes out and say, Yay, Trump, the media says, Well defend yourself, Mr. Trump. Why did you have to why did you have why haven't you had a speech? Why didn't you why didn't you come out, hold a speech, and declare to the world that you do not support the KKK? A tweet isn't enough. And every single time it happens, the Trump campaign says the same thing. We do not condone the language or the you know the beliefs, yeah, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And then right. the media says, Oh, okay. And then it happens again. And the it's rinse and repeat. Every single time. Uh, and I've got these other Hillary clips in here, but this finally was called out when Wolf, your good friend, my buddy, asked a Trump supporter, a GOP guest, why isn't Trump apologizing once again? Why isn't he apologizing once again? Why isn't he coming out and having a speech? Why isn't he telling the nation that he rejects these statements? Every American gets lifted up from one coast to another. In the same New York Times interview, he denounced white supremacists. He denounced the neo-Nazis who support him, said, and I'm quoting him now, it's not a group I want to energize, and if they are energized, I want to look into it and find out why. Uh, specific words. Uh, t tell, us, uh, tell us a little bit more 
Uh, should he go out and deliver a speech specifically denouncing these neo-Nazis, these white supremacists, saying you know, well, if they... This is uh, the media entering the power struggle phase of a new relationship. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google that, the power struggle phase of a relationship. It happens between human beings and their relationships, and it happens between businesses and the companies they work with. The media is now establishing a relationship with the new president-elect. It's something they've been going to the Trump Tower, they've been doing interviews, Wolf Blitzer actually visited the Trump Tower this week. They are defining the boundaries. And what the media is attempting to do is attempting to push Trump into giving a speech. They're trying to show him that they have leverage over him, that if they put heat on something, they can get him to do something. They have power. So he better play ball. That's what that's what they're attempting to do here. And this guy is popping that bubble. Find out why uh, specific words. Uh, t- tell us uh, tell us a, a little bit more. Uh, should he go out and deliver a speech specifically denouncing these neo-Nazis, these white supremacists, saying you know, well, if they well, think... Look, I, no, no, listen, I, this every, is, I, I'm, every just, tweet I'm just asking, claim, should he no, go I, I out there and, and deliver a specific speech and make that abundantly clear he doesn't want these people support and he condemns them? When, when is it going to be enough? He has condemned everyone that's come out and supported him, every group that supported him. At some point, you've got to take, you know, his position and, and go move on. But over and over again, somebody will come out and say, I support Donald Trump. He has to denounce them. Someone tweets. He has to re- refute the tweet. At what point is his position clear? He has said that he refutes that. That's not the kind of movement that he wants to support or be energized by him. That's not the kind of people that he wants to be associated with him. And so I don't know how many more times. Donald Trump can make his position clear, but it has been crystal clear for a long time and over and over and over again with every tweet, utterance, you know, you name it, Facebook post, he has to somehow respond to it. He has made his position clear. It's time that we accept that position and move on because that's not his focus. So why do you think, why do you think, Sean, these neo-Nazi groups, these white supremacist groups that we saw them uh, here in Washington over the weekend, you saw the video. Why do you think they still support him? I don't know. That's really not my focus, figuring out why certain groups support him. He won the election with tens of millions of people. I haven't sat down and figured out why certain groups, you know, supported him or didn't. He won the election. His focus is on making the country better. But I, I, at some point, take his word as, as, as what it is. I think he's got a good point here. I feel like if... Uh, if Obama, if this was Obama in this situation, the media would be taking his word. Oh, yeah, they, they would have let him go with the one comment and moved on. They wouldn't have uh, pushed on it. So the only other thing I really thought was interesting, because I want to move on from Trump, is uh, the situation around the security at his tower. It is an unprecedented security challenge guarding Donald Trump's home in Trump Tower, smack in the middle of Manhattan's busy Fifth Avenue. That stretch is already a New Yorker's nightmare. I know because I'm a New Yorker, too. Uh Now, Midtown Manhattan is home base for the president-elect of the United States until Inauguration Day in January. A White House North, if you will. My understanding is that's sort of what the Secret Service is calling it, is White House North. And Trump wants to be able to visit it a lot. So they're trying to figure out how to get, like, some permanent security. Does he have a helipad or something? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And then last but not least, uh, Megyn Kelly really pissed off Sean Hannity this week. Oh, So in an interview, uh, Megyn Kelly says that uh, that uh, that the questions for Donald Trump with some with some news journalists were prearranged. They were play acting. Yes. Uh-huh. It was acting. And this was in more than one network, you say? Yes. But you can't tell us who. No, because these were off the record conversations that I was privy to. 
she says basically it in her book. And then Sean Hannity, for some reason, although nobody says Sean Hannity's name, right. gets all super awkward and defensive and goes to Twitter and says, I don't know who Megyn Kelly is talking about. When I asked questions, they were all uh, – I wanted real answers. Like he gets all weird and then he tweets again. It says, I would just love for Megyn to say who was acting. I think that means it was you. Sean. Right. It's like the the one who smelt it dealt it, right? <laughs> I mean, come on, exactly. Sean. Come exactly. on, buddy. So anyways, uh, he's a good friend of mine, and you know, good buddy. He, he needs to stop doing that. Well, let's wrap it up with a high note because that's sort of ah, yes. this election. Uh, no matter who you voted for, and there is the a way, silver lining. There, there was. I mean, not a lot of stories about the states going, and not a lot of stories either about what a Trump administration is yeah. going to do. Well, we're going to be watching. We'll see. Yeah. We don't, like you said earlier, we don't really know yeah. yet. But uh, we do have uh, some first uh, some first reports in this one from Sacramento. It's here. Prop 64 passed. It's only going to continue to grow. Councilman Jay Chenier says the marijuana industry is moving in and it may be here to stay. Our responsibility is to regulate it um, and then take the benefits of that for the city. Right now, Chenier says there are 400 to 500 illegal cultivation operations in the city. The council spent nearly a year scripting regulations to take the black market and make it mainstream. The city's getting no benefit off of that, and, and there are negative exactly. impacts because these are illegal. They're in places where they shouldn't be. To shape a legal industry in Sacramento, like the council schools? says cultivation yeah. businesses will need community outreach, security, and odor control plans. Permit applicants will need background checks. Those in support, like Councilmember Chenier, tout the potential for 20,000 jobs and $2.2 million in revenue for the general fund. Wow. You know, in a time when everything else is down, that's yeah. a serious industry. 20,000 jobs? That's a huge chunk. Those are both good huge. things. We want to have the jobs. We want the revenue for the general fund. With a total city budget of more than $960 million, some in the community feel the green money just isn't worth the risk. Take your dope somewhere else. Bishop Ron Allen is a faith-based leader in the north and south parts of town where cultivation businesses are expected to migrate. They need to be, try to shut them down, not make money with down. them. He says some communities have been ignored for their input. Boy, that really seems like, uh, I mean, if, if anybody, if any community would benefit in rural areas from legalization of cannabis, it would be the black community, I would think, because so many arrests around cannabis are disproportionately black arrests. Yep. And it's because of marijuana as well. I mean, it, I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's like the the, that's the offense. Yeah. And so if you take away possession, yeah, if yeah. you take that away, that would seem to be a massive benefit to the black community. Exactly. I mean, I mean, the day after I, 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 I Gosh, I, I know it's too soon, but I wonder, the day after it became legal in California, I'm wondering how much uh, arrests went down because of the fact that, you know, it's legal. You know, one of my favorite things to cover when it opened up and legalized here was like that first store that opened up. And this is one of those, the Red Run Cannabis Store. Red Run Cannabis is the first retail marijuana store to open its doors on the Kenai Peninsula. But just oh, how long Alaska. these doors stay open, well, that depends on if supply keeps up with demand. We're super excited. Been waiting for this day for a long time. <laughs> this is what it looked like outside Red Run Cannabis. <laughs> In the snow, dude. Wait, but I... You know what? The, the, the Wait, hoodie, hold on. The, I, I want to give props uh, to this uh, to this news uh, news channel because they didn't go and grab some stoner looking people. They just grabbed they, average. These are people. these are average people. Yeah, up in Alaska in the cold. They didn't. They 
They didn't fill up to the the propaganda crews. Dude, I'm so yeah, excited. Yeah, they should have got somebody lighting up in the parking lot smoking a really ugly looking doobie. Dude. Excited. excited. Been waiting for this day for a long, long day time. Coming. This is what it looked like it's outside awesome. Red Run wow. Cannabis early this afternoon. A line of people stretching out the door and down the street. Inside, customers chose between eight strains of cannabis, each for sale in one, two, and four gram packages. Aw, oh, little baby implementations. Just little baby, just when they begin. <laughs> She's a baby. Eight, eight strains. And pre-rolled joints. Prices are posted on the big screen. In the back is where Red Run Cannabis is cultivating their own brand of marijuana. Right now, 12 strains are in the early stage of development. They should be ready to harvest and for sale in mid-January. Until then, supplies available will be limited. That's because of a limited number of suppliers, high demand, and some suppliers, like Grayland Ganja, who started cultivating late in the season. I know there's several other facilities that are around it up and trying to get their product out there and get it. Let's go to Alaska and grow, Chase. Wow. Test it and get it out in the in the public hands. So it's just a matter of, you know, it's just a matter of timing, man. That's how I feel about it. I'm not too worried about it. You know, I mean, if it goes, it goes. People been waiting a long time. A little bit longer is not going to hurt anyone. <laughs> it's not going to hurt anybody. Yeah, that's how it went in Washington too, because you know you couldn't grow until you had the license, and you couldn't get licensed well, until it was legal. Well, and it- Actually, Chris, legal users can't grow anyway. It's true. Uh, only uh, medical. Only medical. Yeah. Uh, so now, so that, those are the newbies. All so right. let's check in on Washington State, which has been doing the recreational thing for a while. And let's just see how things are going. Pot sales are closing in on hard liquor sales. According to the Olympian, in the second quarter of this year, marijuana sales amounted to nearly $212 million. Think about that in comparison to how old, wow. how established a product alcohol and spirits are. Wow. How, how entrenched in family tradition, in American culture, yeah. with, with sports, uh, at, at restaurants and, and bars. And and, and 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 then this new product that's what barely two years old, which can only be bought in certain stores under extreme circumstances, yeah. is now nearly eclipsing the revenue of alcohol. That I, is I, a remarkable achievement. What, what I think is what this shows more than ever is a lot more people, probably your close friends and family, are, are probably smoking now more than than, than what you may even edibles, think. Edibles, buddy. It's got to be edibles. Oh, totally. Sales amounted to nearly $212 million. That's just $37 million less than spirit sales, which amount to almost $249 million. This is a change from the quarter before, when the sales gap was $54.8 million. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, and you know, there's a huge chunk of that that goes to schools. Plus, those are people that aren't going into jail. The people growing it are new jobs. The people selling it are new businesses and new jobs, new employers. It's, and, and, and you know what? The roads aren't shit. People aren't, haven't gone crazy. No. Somehow we're surviving. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see under a Trump administration what's going to happen to all the states that have legalized it. If he's going we'll be to, watching. Yeah, if he's going to be backing off or his new attorney general is going to lay the hammer down. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Your unfiltered show will be on the front lines. By the way, another place where you can be on the front lines is our unfiltered subreddit. Oh, that's right. At unfiltered.reddit.com. Yeah. Also, big shout out to Mr. Noah. Thank you for sitting in yeah, last buddy. week. I really was, appreciate it. It was a great time having Noah here in the city. He was a little sickly. Yeah. I didn't get what he Good. had. Thank God. Good. Uh, but no, it was great having him in here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. we, you know, we had great conversations. So check out episode 213. So, Mr. Chase, where can people find you throughout the week? Are you going to be tweeting any turkey pictures? I'd love to see how it turns out. I already out. actually uh, put uh, tweeted out a picture of the brine cooking process. You oh. can see 
the steam coming up. Atta it was boy. great. At Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. Oh, that's right. You know, I'm going to plug something special this week. Well, where are you going to plug that special? Probably at Chris Elias on Twitter. And what are you going to plug there? I'm going to plug my personal YouTube channel where I'm going to be releasing eight, at least eight or nine videos. Well, what? Starting daily. What? Next Monday. What? Yeah, the Monday after Thanksgiving. What? YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher, my name. What? Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're turning into one of those? No, no, it's just a limited run. It's stuff I've already produced. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I think you should be like, hey, hey, please leave her alone. Hey, whatever gets the clicks, man. Patreon.com slash unfiltered. Don't make me go down the dark path. Also, we got overtime coming up. And last but not least, you can join us live on Wednesdays over at jblive.tv. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Unfiltered. See you right back here next, next week. week. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Kids, hide your wife. It is overtime for episode 214 of your unfiltered program, and it begins in a three. And it actually, why don't we just say it begins right now? Because we say it does. It's unfiltered. Oh, it feels good to be back with you guys. It's just you and me now. It's a little us time, and we're gonna do the overtime. Now, for those of you who are new to the show, not familiar with overtime. It's your chance to get more information about the clip we've been talking about. Go further in depth, play the longer clip, get a little additional information, and track stories that maybe aren't as newsworthy, but maybe are going somewhere, or maybe are sort of the continuation or conclusion of a story. That's what Overtime's all about. We also dedicate Overtime to our patrons at patreon.com slash unfiltered. And uh, this week, we only picked up one patron. It's uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't know if it was because I was gone last week and I'm not allowed to take a vacation. I don't think so. I don't know if it's because the election's over. I'm like, oh, I'm done with them. <laughs> Write those guys off. Good run. But uh, I do want to thank Ken Cotton. Ken, Ken, you are our one, our one patron this week. And I thank you, sir. So this segment and all of our remaining supporters at patreon.com slash unfilter, this is dedicated to you. <laughs> you've been thinking about it and uh, you hadn't put, you haven't been pushed over yet to sign up for supporting patreon.com slash unfilter please give it a consideration we are working hard even on a holiday week to bring you the latest and greatest in the news so I want to cover something that I think is it's really a much deeper story and the media is only willing to go so deep into it but on the surface they still touch on some important things some things we should know about and maybe we could talk about a little further and of course I'm referring to drug addiction of course. Aren't we all referring to that? Don't we all refer to that when we say something sort of vaguely like that? America has an addiction problem. And today, in the first report of not. its kind, Surgeon General Vivek Murphy called for a major shift in the way we treat this. His report says nearly 21 million suffer from substance abuse. It affects more Americans than cancer. Yet 90 percent are not getting treatment. 
The economic impact is more than $440 billion. CBS News medical correspondent Dr. Tara Narula joins us now. Tara, do you know how to define addiction? The report does a great job at telling us that this is a spectrum that ranges from substance misuse all the way to the more severe form of the disorder, addiction. It's a call to action for a public health crisis. Those of you on the audio feed, they're showing random photos of uh, a woman. She appears to be grieving and shots of a baby, a baby girl, child of some of some sorts. And, uh, is obviously they're trying to project. They're trying to project an image in your mind. It affects individuals, families, society. Uh-huh. The number of Americans affected by substance use disorders is as many Americans as affected by diabetes. More than one and a half times the Americans affected by cancer. And yet, would we accept a treatment rate of ten percent for those diseases? Probably not. There's so the, the big hope number. is that this will catalyze change, as did the Surgeon's General report in the 1960s when it came to tobacco. So, Tara, where do we go from here if this is to be treated as a disease? One of the best things this report did is really tell us that we need to change our attitude about substance misuse and addiction. We need to have understanding and compassion that this is not a moral failure. This is not a character flaw. It's something or not something to be ashamed of. This is something that is a chronic disease of the brain, and we need to treat it like a chronic condition. The faces of this disease, our family members, our colleagues, these people need to feel comfortable coming forward and telling us that they need help. And we need to approach this with a public health health approach like we would treat any other chronic condition, which means mobilizing doctors, policymakers, educators, parents to really have a multifaceted attack. And the idea is that hopefully with that, we understand the science, we know that prevention and treatment work, that recovery is possible, that we can really do this as long as we put the effort in. Your good buddy, John Stewart, uh, had a heck of an interview on the CBS Morning News. Pretty long, actually. And it was there with another guy from The Daily Show, one of the other people to help run it. And uh, I picked out just a couple of minutes from the overall interview that uh, CBS decided to highlight separately. One of America's top political satirists was on the sidelines for most of the presidential campaign. John Stewart left The Daily Show about 15 months before the election. Well, today, Stewart gave his first post-election interview to Charlie Rose for CBS This Morning. Your reaction to this election? Uh, Surprise. Surprise. Fear. It it all ties together. Well, fear, you know, here's what I would honestly say. Fear is an interesting word for Charlie to throw out there. As he's prompting the guest, helping him get through his uh, his his mental block, trying to trying to grasp onto his words. So Charlie, as a seasoned interviewer, just tosses words out there, even words that are not even close to what the interviewee is thinking about. Of course, this is why Charlie gets all the awards. And so it's interesting that one of the words that Charlie throws out is fear, because I think it, it more demonstrates what Charlie's thinking and not so much what John is thinking. Surprise. Fear. It it all ties together. Well, fear, you know, here's what I would honestly say. Uh, I don't believe we are a fundamentally different country today than we were two weeks ago or than we were a month ago. The the same country with all its uh, grace and uh, flaws and volatility and insecurity and strength and resilience exists today as existed two weeks ago. The same country that uh, elected Donald Trump 
elected Barack Obama. And those contradictions are, this election to me is just another extension of the long argument that we've had from our founding, which is what, what are we? So on a, on a philosophical and theoretical level, I what feel we, badly man? for the people for whom this election will mean more uncertainty and insecurity. But I also feel like this fight has never been easy. You can hear much more from Jon Stewart on the election and his new book about The Daily Show. That's tomorrow on CBS This Morning. That's why he's doing the interviews, because he's promoting the book. Okay, you see what Chris just did there was called a little bit of uh, distraction from Trump and Clinton stuff. This stuff's already slowing down, so if you're sick of hearing about it, don't worry, it is slowing down. But there is a couple of things we need to talk about. Even though I never really thought Trump would win until the last few days... I've always felt like if he were to win, he would be defined by the people he surrounds himself with because he seems like the type of leader who wants to play the executive role and defer to people who know better. So the people that Trump surrounds himself with are getting a lot of scrutiny. I think a lot of people feel this way. So the media is really focusing in on them. So let's look a little bit at the national security team that's taking shape around Donald Trump. The Trump team is taking shape and signaling a sharp conservative turn on national security issues. Today, Alabama Senator Jeff Sessions was picked for Attorney General. Lieutenant General Mike Flynn for National Security Advisor. And Kansas Congressman Mike Pompeo as Director of the CIA. All three were early supporters of Mr. Trump and fierce critics of President Obama. Major Garrett begins our coverage. Uh, We've got a, a great number of men and women great qualifications. After a week of tough headlines about a transition in disarray, Vice President-elect Mike Pence touted the team taking shape. Attorney General nominee Jeff Sessions was the first senator to endorse Mr. Trump. This is a movement. Look at what's happening. Sessions, 69, has served in the Senate for 20 years. A hardliner on immigration, Sessions also voted against the 2009 hate crimes bill and reauthorizing the Violence Against Women Act. Sessions' 1986 nomination to be a federal judge failed when a witness at his Senate confirmation hearing testified that Sessions said he thought the Ku Klux Klan was okay until he, quote, learned that they smoked marijuana. And a former African-American employee said Sessions told them to be careful what you say to white folks. Sessions denied the comments and also that he had accused groups like the NAACP of being un-American. My opinion is they have not. They may have taken positions that I consider to be adverse to the security interest of the United States. Does that make them un-American? No, sir, it does not. No, does that make the positions un-American? No. Mr. Trump's pick for national security advisor, Uh retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, led intelligence efforts in Afghanistan and Iraq after the 9-11 attacks. He then served as head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, where he clashed with members of the Obama administration. (laughs) The new president of the United States, Donald Trump. 
was also an early Trump supporter and frequent presence on the campaign trail. Yeah. On Twitter, Flynn called fear of Muslims rational. And in a February 2015 interview with Charlie Rose, criticized President Obama for not using the phrase radical Islamic terrorism. You know, let's get off the dime and just call it like it is. Which is, once, just which one is more time. Islamic extremism. <laughs> one more time. Kansas Congressman Mike Charlie Pompeo, go. the president-elect's choice for CIA director, serves on the Intelligence Committee and has called the end of the spy agency's enhanced interrogation program a mistake. He also wants to keep the prison in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, open. Pompeo was a co-author of a Republican report critical of State Department actions before the 2012 Benghazi terror attacks that killed four Americans, including U.S. Ambassador Chris Stevens. Oh, man. In October 2015, Pompeo grilled former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton on her communications with Stevens. Ambassador Stevens did not have your personal email address. We've established that. Yes, that's right. Did he have your cell phone number? Nobody had the 24-hour number of the state operations uh, in the State Department that can reach me 24-7. Yes, ma'am. Did he have your fax number? He had the fax number of the State Department. The president-elect will meet tomorrow with 2012 GOP nominee and harsh critic Mitt Romney. John, we are told the president... So let me ask you this. Those people are all ass-bags, for sure. But so would be anybody that Hillary Clinton picked. But do you suspect that – do you think with the media with the media focus on all the negative aspects of Clinton or say Obama's appointees, would they be so critical? President-elect Trump tells the New York Times that government conflict of interest laws will not apply to him as president. He said under the law, he has no obligation to cut ties with his businesses. He also said the Trump name, quote, is certainly a hotter brand than it was before. Anna Werner is outside Trump Tower in New York City with the president-elect's outlook on his business ventures. Anna, good morning. Well, Mr. Trump, as we know, has business interests around the world. Now the question is, what will he do to separate his businesses from government? New York Times reporters quoted Mr. Trump as saying when it comes to conflicts of interest, the law favors him and that the president can't have a conflict of interest. But this law professor says that's not true. Well, he's wrong because the president has an obligation to act in all things for America first in his well, that doesn't sound like he's wrong. That just sounds like a catch-22. Brian Quinn is from Boston College. When there is the prospect, even the likelihood, that uh, his private business interests uh, can affect his decision-making, then it's hard for citizens to really believe that in all things he is acting for America first and not for his own personal interests. Donald Trump's interests and businesses span 59 properties in at least 12 other countries, everything from residential towers to golf courses to hotels. The Trump Organization has said management of the businesses will transfer to Mr. Trump's children when he becomes president. What? That seems a little fishy, but you know, I don't know if they mentioned in this, but also vice presidents don't have to worry about the conflict of interest thing. So that's really interesting when you think about Dick Cheney and Halliburton. And when you think about Biden's son in Ukraine, making all that oil pipeline money. 
This is big league stuff. This and is, on 60 Minutes, he said the country, country will be his priority. I don't care about hotel occupancy. It's peanuts compared to what we're doing. But Mr. Trump's transition activities have raised questions. The president-elect was photographed at Trump Tower last week with three of his Indian business partners. While the Trump camp later claimed it wasn't a meeting, only a brief exchange of hellos, it drew attention in India. It wasn't received uh, much like the way it was received here. Tanvi Madan is an Indian foreign policy expert with the Brookings Institution. Uh, one thing it definitely did was increase the visibility of both the Trump projects, but also these Indian business partners within the Indian uh, media. There's also Ivanka Trump's presence at a meeting between her father and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. I wasn't sure if they were actually going to cover this. This feels like one of those stories the media doesn't always talk about. The president's closest advisors, how often it's family, it's brothers, it's special contractors. Like they never talk about Obama's. In fact, Chatroom, can you can you even tell me the name of Obama's special advisor? Before we continue, because they all have them. Who advises Obama? Now, you know, Hillary's, you know, Hillary's Hillary has Uma. Trump has his family, which is probably a pretty safe bet. But who is President Obama's advisor? No, 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 no. Hey. They talk about this person so little, you can't even think of her name. Oh, well, I just gave you a hint. It's a her. So it's a woman. No? Nobody's got it. Nobody's got it, really. All right, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. It's Valerie Jarrett. Google it right now. Real quick, chat room. Will somebody Google Valerie Jarrett and then put a little summation in the, in the chat room of who Valerie Jarrett is, and I'll switch to it in the chat room when you do it. Valerie Jarrett is on all of Obama's calls when he was in the transition phase. She was in all of them. She was leading that. Valerie Jarrett is Obama's, like, personal assistant. She wasn't elected into office. She didn't get votes. There you go. Wow. Look at Rikai right on top of it. Boom. <laughs> yeah, of course, her official title is senior advisor to the president of the United States, uh, just like Hillary was to Bill. But I do think it's interesting that she's in on the call. I'm not dismissing that at all. I think it's interesting they're talking about it. Because they don't normally talk about it. Because it's not an unusual thing. Institution. Uh, one thing it definitely did was increase the visibility of both the Trump projects, but also these Indian business partners within the Indian uh, media. There's also Ivanka Trump's presence at a meeting between her father and Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe. And an Argentine spokesman from the president's office says Ivanka Trump said hello to Argentine President Maurizio Macri <gasps> at the end of a congratulatory call between the Argentine leader and Mr. Trump last Last week, you know how you know how Trump works, right? You know this just if you've listened to some of his interviews. He stopped doing it towards the end because they they got on his they got on his case about it. But uh, he does the speakerphone thing, like all come on. I don't. I'm not trying. Even you young guys do it, but a lot of old guys do this. A lot of old guys do the speakerphone thing. They take the phone out, they put it down on the table, they do the speakerphone thing. Yeah, Charlie, how's it going? Yeah, that interview, I think, went really well. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, Ivanka's in here. Say hi, sweetie. Say hi, sweetie. And that's not my Trump. That's just, you know, that's how it goes with these guys. The Trump team didn't return our request for a comment. 
New York Times reporters said Mr. Trump told them on Tuesday, if it were up to some people, I would never, ever see my daughter Ivanka again. <laughs> Quinn says removing conflicts for Mr. Trump means separating himself from his businesses. Merely turning over management of uh, the businesses while he maintains a financial interest in all of them is not going to be sufficient to allay any sort of conflict. Every dollar that gets invested or spent or raised by the business uh, through sales uh, is a dollar that goes into his pocket or some portion of it goes into his pocket, even if his children are managing the business. Now, as we've said before, conflict of interest laws that affect other government employees do not apply to the president or vice president. Now, that law professor says the Constitution does set limits on a president's ability to gain other compensation above his usual pay. But the only people who can take action on that are members of Congress through impeachment processes. In this case, Republicans, since they control the Congress. Josh. Anna order. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. this back and forth that Donald Trump had with the New York Times. I guess originally there was a meeting and he, he tweeted the meeting was off. The uh, the failing New York Times had changed the deal of the arrangement and then the meeting was back on. And not only was the meeting back on, but Donald Trump apparently went to them, which if you think about it, that's kind of a big deal. This last week has been all about everybody visiting the Trump Tower. We're going to, what have we been looking at? We've got a live feed. Life feed at the Trump Tower. Got a life feed. Everybody going to the Trump Tower. Everybody's talking about the Trump Tower. Everybody's talking about the Trump Tower. Oh, so-and-so showed up at the Trump Tower. Bernie supporters showed up at the Trump Tower. Mitt Romney at the Trump Tower. Everybody's going to the Trump Tower. The media, uh, Zuckerberg, uh, not Mark, but uh, uh, Frank Zuckerberg, whatever, whatever the, you know, the slob that runs CNN, that guy. I mean, Wolf, Anderson, uh, CNN, a lot of CNN crew, Fox crew, a lot of the, all these different people all going to Trump Tower, all going to Trump Tower, going to Trump Tower, going to Trump Tower. But Donald Trump went to the New York Times after publicly shaming them on Twitter as sort of a mea culpa. And the, the, the reason given to the press was, well, it's a sign of respect from the Donald because it's his hometown paper. It's bullshit. There is this from overseas overnight earlier. Hold on. That is uh, hold on, Bill. Bill, shut the hell up. <laughs> First, we're talking about the New York Times. Well, he is calling the failing New York Times. Nevertheless, President-elect Trump did go pay a visit on Ill Grey Lady and met with the publisher and then uh, some of the chief editorial people. But that uh, sit down got a response like this in an op-ed by Frank Bruni, who wrote, winning the most powerful office in the world did nothing to diminish his epic ache for adoration. I'm just going to take a pause here because... Um that man's voice makes my brain want to escape from my skull. And outsized need to tell everyone how much he deserves it. To Howard Kurtz, our media watcher, media buzz host, what do you make of that reaction? Well, I don't think it's terribly generous to say he has an epic need for adoration. All people in public life want to be liked and respected. But one person close to the president-elect told me today that, Neil, that uh, Trump did go to the Times building rather than receiving a delegation at Trump Tower uh, as a sign of respect. This is his hometown paper. He reads it every day. He grew up reading it. He has it delivered to the gold-plated apartment. He really wants the New York Times approval for all of his attacks on the paper. 
I think you're right about that. It was different, and a lot of other news organizations noticed that, that he visited the New York Times. He didn't have them come to him. Having said that, um, do you think uh, the president-elect expected any any different kind of coverage or any less snide coverage or, or <laughs> that this is just in keeping with his theme? I'm watching all of you in the media. Well, I think the message here and also in the meeting with the uh, TV anchors and executives is I won. You got it all wrong. Now, let's see if we can work together, but kind of trying to deliver a strong message that if the Times, uh, who he, who Trump says has been very rough on him, continues to be very rough on him as president-elect and then president, uh, you know, he's not going to be shy about using Twitter or other means to hit back. So at the same time, I've noticed this myself, that uh, Donald Trump, if you're a sympathetic journalist, that's fine. He appreciates that. But if you're a very liberal journalist at MSNBC or very conservative journalist at Fox who was never Trump, he does make an effort, extra effort to win you over. He feels like he, he, if he uses the charm offensive, he can turn you around. I, I think he's going to be one of our most media savvy presidents ever. And I'm going to be watching the Twitter feed to see if it changes once he takes office. I, I was surprised when he called it the failing New York Times. He's right. I feel like if this was a statement made during the election, this would be spun as dictators support Trump. I'm, I'm kind of shocked. It's I, I honestly am shocked it's not being spun that way right now. Let's listen for that. This is, uh, this is a clip talking about President Assad. Yes, the Syrian president. Yeah, he's a president. He was elected. <laughs> Who knows if it was legit. Anyways, he says Trump would be a natural ally. There is this from overseas overnight earlier today. Syrian President Bashar al-Assad making comments about Donald Trump. He says Mr. Trump could be a, quote, natural ally to his regime. Trump has said he's willing to work with Assad in order to, uh, to defeat ISIS. In an interview, Assad said his government would have to see if the Trump administration is genuine, genuine. Uh, in its uh, effort to go after terrorists. More than 300,000 people in Syria have been killed over a five and a half year civil war in that country. Do, 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 do. There you go. So far, it hasn't really been spun much. Let's move on from Trump, though. See, so, do I have anything in the Clinton? Um, this clip, I all right, I'll, I'll play this for you. I'll play this. Yeah, we'll play this. All right. Well, rather than taking right. the fall, Hillary Clinton is now blaming her election loss on the FBI. And our next guest points out that this episode only reflects a gross mismanagement of the country's top law enforcement agency. Yup. Uh, look at yep. the mirror, lady here to explain Fox News senior judicial analyst, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Hey, Judge, Judge you, you heard her explanation and it really bothered you. It bothered me. The, the criticism of the FBI, I think, is valid. And, and Comey has taken the FBI to a place where it doesn't belong. It's its once pristine reputation has been tarnished. But it is not the FBI's fault that this happened. It's Mrs. Clinton's fault. Do they really have a, uh, you know, uh, I feel like maybe we haven't dug into the statement much. Uh, and we should just take a second and talk about this. I like the judge. You guys know me. I like playing his clips. But I got to call it when he's when he's saying something that I think is maybe a little BS. Not the FBI's fault that this happened. It's Mrs. Clinton's fault. No, that wasn't far enough. Sorry, I want to go back. There's a key phrase he said. It's valid, and, and Comey has uh -huh. taken the FBI to a place where it doesn't belong. It's, it's once pristine reputation has been tarnished. But It's once pristine reputation has been tarnished. Is that total bullshit? 
What what pristine reputation? I mean, the chat room is making J. Edgar Hoover and, Con- and J. Ed- J. Edgar Comey uh, jokes right now. We're making Hoover jokes right – the Red Scare is people they, – they think of the FBI when everybody was concerned about um, the commies infiltrating us. I mean, the people jo- – they joke about the paranoia of the FBI. So do they have some pristine reputation that James Comey has uh, has now tarnished? Do they really? Maybe they do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they do. But to me, they seem like they are some massive bureaucratic corrupt national police force that now has tentacles all over the world that's often framing people that have mental disabilities as terrorists and have been involved in domestic spying for forever and keeping secret lists since Martin Luther King. When I think of the FBI, I don't think of some untarnished reputation. I think of a shit reputation. It's, it's once pristine reputation has been tarnished. But it is not the FBI's fault that this happened. It's Mrs. Clinton's fault. She failed. It, it, the evidence of her guilt is overwhelming, that she failed to secure state secrets. And the evidence that the FBI did not conduct a proper investigation I is agree. overwhelming. But that does not feel unusual. See, this is where the judge feels like he's either being disingenuous or well, I, I mean, he seems like he's informed on the topics. But since when is it unusual for the FBI to botch an investigation? Go look into the results of their investigations every time one of their agents kills somebody. They, they often run investigations and you walk away going, holy shit, how did that happen? Or how many terrorist attacks have we talked about on this show where the FBI had previously questioned the Supposed terrorist that later sets off the pressure cooker bomb or shoots somebody up or goes into their former workplace during a holiday party. How many times have we heard about the FBI knowing of that suspect before they did something wrong and not stopping them? What is he talking about? What FBI is the judge talking about? He's not talking about the same FBI I've been reporting on. Did not conduct a proper investigation. That's not is news. That's normal. So why didn't the FBI conduct a proper investigation? That's because their business. Somewhere north of Jim Comey said, we don't want her indicted. We want her exonerated, no matter what the evidence is against her. Why did the FBI reopen the investigation uh, 11 days before Election Day? Well, yeah. they found what they thought was a treasure trove of emails, and Anthony Weiner's laptop returned not to be a treasure trove. What did the FBI do wrong? They didn't work with the Justice Department. They didn't have a grand jury. Without a grand jury, no subpoenas. Without a grand jury, no search warrants. Designed to fail. Designed to fail. Designed to fail. Investigation. And then when he said, in the middle of the summer, we're not going to indict her, but proceeded to outline all the evidence against her. That means he should have indicted. Correct. And he infuriated the agents. People that we all hear from, off the record, yep. oh, yeah. in the investigation, why are you doing this to us and why didn't you follow through sure. on what we gave Do you think the outcome of the election would have been different had James Comey not come out two weeks before? Saying- People we all hear from, and he looks at them with a very knowingly look. From off- You know, you see that? You see that? Oh, look at that look. Oh, people we all hear from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Does that mean it's somebody famous within the FBI that's in the Fox office frequently? Does that mean they all have leaks from within the FBI? What does that statement mean? Correct. And he infuriated the agents, people that we all hear from, off the record. Yep. Yep. What the... 
in the investigation, why are you doing this to us, and why didn't you follow through on what we gave you? Do you think the outcome of the election would have been different had James Comey not come out two weeks before saying we're reopening this investigation? Mrs. Clinton uh, thinks that. I once thought that until what? election night mm -hmm. when I sat with the number crunchers over in the new uh, studio and I could hear them saying, you know, Romney won this, this county by 5,000. Uh, Trump's got to win it by 7,000. Wait a minute. He's winning it by 25,000 over and over and over again in blue collar areas. Whatever you think of Donald uh, Trump, he struck the nerve sure. of the forgotten blue collar voter, forgotten by the government, oh. forgotten by the Democrats, right. forgotten by the Obama administration. She was part of all of that. Sure. You know, Judge, it's one thing, and I'm sure, well, maybe President Trump will look into what happened to the IRS targeting of Tea Parties and whatnot, maybe. But, you know, just to think of what has happened with Hillary Clinton, this guy. where it looks like the Department really? of Justice, as you have doing this, is a political wing of the White House. I don't even. I just can't. You see this guy looking at the clock right here, this guy in the middle? That's co-host phase four. Why the frick is he talking about this right now? That's what that face is right there. I've seen it. I've seen it a million times. <laughs> I've also made it a few times myself. That's what that face is right there with the dude in the suit in the middle. Why is he talking about this right now? <laughs> and the guy's thinking, I just gotta kill. I gotta kill another 30 seconds on the clock. We're not supposed to go to national break for another 30 seconds. And the judge just did it all really quick. The judge doesn't stretch it out. He's concise. And that doesn't work so well for those Fox hosts, I don't think. All right, just a couple more clips. Jeez, really? That's pretty much it. We got just a couple more clips, and then we're getting out of here for overtime. Unfilter's getting back into a new groove now. The election was such a driver for so long. Now we're kind of hitting the reset button in some ways. So it's this is our first post-election overtime. How about that, huh? So this next story, um, <laughs> I like to follow these these uh, supposed uh, domestic terrorists that are uh, associated with ISIS. They don't make as much news anymore, so I don't have uh, hype-produced CNN or Fox News or MSNBC even, or, heaven forbid, CBS News, NBC News, or ABC News, where they might even spend maybe five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars on a segment. No, I, I don't have I don't have the luxury of that. Because they're just not – they're not making the kind of news they used to make. So I had to go to a local news affiliate to get this next story for you. And um, it really shows. It really shows in the production. So as part of the news, try to I – mean, I mean try to follow the story. But they could not have local news this up more. It is so, so local news. This exclusive video of a terror suspect being arrested in Brooklyn accused of wanting to plan an attack on New York City. And we've got details about this arrest. They're still coming in at this hour, but here's what we know right now. The suspect is a legal U.S. resident, and he traveled to Yemen and tried to join the terror group ISIS. He told an informant he wanted to plan an attack on Times Square similar to the attack in Nice. Eyewitness News reporter Sandra Bookman oh, is stopped. live in Flatbush with the very music's latest. Back, music's back. Yeah. yeah, Sade, that arrest came here in Flatbush about 3 a.m. this morning. Is there a hairdryer going? She's on the street. What is causing that noise? 
An army of federal agents surrounded that apartment building right behind me. They took a 37-year-old man into custody, and tonight that man is charged with attempting to provide material support to a terrorist organization. This is exclusive video of the man neighbors say was taken into custody early this morning here in Brooklyn. I've never seen anything like this before. Now identified by authorities as 37-year-old Mohammed Rafiq Naji and charged as a suspected terrorist. According to a criminal complaint, he discussed a possible Nice-like attack in Times Square, expressed his support for ISIL on Facebook, and traveled overseas to Turkey and Yemen on several OMG, occasions OMG, OMG. in an attempt to join ISIL. Today, here in Flatbush, most neighbors were stunned by the alleged terror arrest stunned. at this unassuming apartment building. One who did not want to be identified said it made him feel safer. A lot, lot better. A lot better, and I certainly support it 100%. Uh, I feel a little more secure now. I believe my family feel a little more secure, too. Late this afternoon, Governor Cuomo released a statement calling this in part a sharp reminder of the of the evolving threat of global terrorism. Oh my God. At this hour, Mohammed Rafiq Naji is being arraigned in federal court. We're live this evening in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm Sam. That's good. Thank you. And that brings us to our final clip of the night. Actually, one bonus clip before we go. This is only going to work for you uh, video guys, so audio listeners, I will try to paint a narrative. Unfortunately, the clip just has no audio. so <laughs> But it's it's pretty cool. So um, I'm, I'm really getting into drone footage right now. I've really been enjoying incorporating drone footage into recent work that I'm doing for the network. I have uh, I have a whole batch of videos that I'll be releasing next week starting Monday as I record this the Monday after Thanksgiving and drone footage played a pretty important role in some of those videos uh, in you uh, youtube.com slash Chris Fisher my name is where I'll be releasing them and uh, so I've I've gotten a I've been getting in fact I crashed my drone today that's a whole nother story <laughs> I crashed it this morning actually and busted uh, three of my four propellers <laughs> oh but drone footage is really it's it's it brings it brings a certain capability to uh, to a user base that before never had access to anything like this unless we had helicopters. So it's huge. And so I'm going to play some drone footage for you of the North Dakota pr- uh, pipeline protest, pipeline protest, and uh, the cops. And it is, I mean, it's, it's freezing temperatures out there right now. The cops are using fire hoses and they're spraying down protesters. And some of them, many of them, many, many of them got hypothermia. And the cops see the uh, the RT drone coming in. You can imagine what happens next. So there, the cops try to shoot the drone and the RT pilot, or whoever it was... Managed to sh- to fly around. I'm going to play it again. Watch this. They try to the cops try to shoot the drone with the with the hose, the fire hose, and the drone pilot pivots around the water. It's really something to see the drone footage of this at night, and you can see them spraying the protesters. And that water is freezing cold.
that's really so watch this drone flies over you can see the cops there with the hoses and lights no lights no hoses nothing on the protester side that's kind of heavy stuff so let's end it let's end it with something that sort of ties our entire topic together this sort of stitches the whole show together for this week I would say when you go on when you go on national television, you should probably make sure you do a little bit of googling about about the things you're going to talk about before you open your mouth. And if you ever get backed into a situation where it's obvious you don't know what you're talking about, take Chris's advice. Just admit you made a mistake and bail. Don't do what this guy did. First of all, the greatest genius is when it came to the building of the pyramids. Which you would, do you know what? Those they are white people, by the way. Who white people? The uh, Egyptians are not African. I'm sorry. Do you know where Egypt is? Yes, it's in where? North Africa. Okay, stop, stop. You stop, stop right there. You just said that you said the Egyptians are not are, African. Are white South Africans no, not, African? Wait, wait. Yes, they, they are African. See, okay. okay, to be African means you come from the continent of Africa. So if you come from the continent of Africa, that's who you are. I'm, so that means you're an African. So, and you, and you, know, you do know, Don, do you also deny science that man originated from Africa? Or do you say that's, that's false science? Uh, what are you talking about? I mean, what, what are you referring to? I'm talking science. archaeology. I'm talking <laughs> biology. I'm talking science. In terms of the, the where did man no. originate? Where, no. Scientists. Why science? Egypt was an amazing no, no, civilization. No, 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 it was saying, not created no. by black Africans. I'm who, sorry. Who, was it? Who, who created it? Uh, people who are white. How, okay. How, how are people? You can look. No, no, at, you how, can how, actually look at art, and they differentiate no, between races. No, no, I got to ask you a question. How do you from ancient Egypt? You, you do know those were black people. You do know. Hey, you, you, you do know from science you can't get black from white you can get white from black you do know when it comes to evolution what? when it comes oh i see what you're saying do you you never studied science i, I see what you're yes i have no so but, but, but I, I mean i'm but, not a scientist but, but, are man, you? but man originated in africa <laughs> yes or no that is a consensus yes okay that, that so is yes not, and no. so <laughs> man originated in africa yeah. mm-hmm. uh-huh. which means that they were africans that's right then all of a sudden, when you talk about uh, the uh, amazing works of the Egyptians, they were people of color. I know that's a little rough for you that's to rough. handle, but I know you want to hold on to that somehow thinking whites built the pyramids. But I'm trying to understand. Yeah, we did. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Because first of all, they were building things in Egypt while white Europeans were still in caves. Uh, that's a that's, fact. That is a, that's a fact. Okay, sure. I'm, I'm going to still go back to <laughs> you see what I'm saying is when you when it when it's been revealed that you don't know what you're talking about, it, it, just bail. People are gonna respect when you just admit, you know what, man, I, I I misspoke. I misspoke. I'm sorry about that. That's all you gotta do. You just back out a little bit and say, I'm sorry. That's my bad. That's my bad. You're right. Thank you for educating me. All right. Thank you for listening to the, un- to the unfiltered program this week. I hope you have a great Turkey Day tomorrow. I missed you. I missed you. If you're still listening to the show, you get like the internet cookie. I can't believe you made it this far. You're one of my favorite. I do it for you. And our supporters at patreon.com slash unfiltered. Thanks for being here, everybody. And we'll see you right back here next week. Fuck the EU.
That's how we go. That's how we roll. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. I say Boulder Dash. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. It would be great, I think, to help do this thing and have the UN help do it. And, you know, fuck the EU. I do wine because I want to win. I am the most fabulous whiner. I do wine because I want to win. I do wine because I want to win. I do wine because I want to win. And then he apologizes like a little baby, like a disgusting little weak, pathetic baby.